All right, uh, back in Starkville. Final score, 35-10. to 10, The Bulldogs over BYU. Mark, there was a moment there, 18-point deficit, heading into the fourth quarter with the ball in a good position yep. where you thought BYU could hang in this game. It was not to be. It was not to be, and uh, there were too many times that uh, today it was not to be. I I will go back to the fact that we knew that we're, uh, it was a tough road test for BYU to be able to beat this team, and uh, I was excited about the opportunity that they had. And, uh, they did do things new and different, and uh, still they're looking for an identity. They're looking for a play they can rely on. They're looking for people they can rely on. Let's recap how the scoring got to our final of 35-10. to 10. Mississippi State's with the touchdown in the first quarter, uh, run by Fitzgerald, 7-0. And then uh, the second touchdown goes in the second quarter with 7.07 left to go in the half. Another, a nine-yard pa- nine pass from Fitzgerald to Donald Gray, PAT good. And then Fitzgerald caps a drive with a 14-yard run, PAT good by Jace Christensen. Christman, uh, BYU did get a... 38-yard field goal from Red Almond in the first half. So it uh, ends up halftime, 21-3. And then MSU gets the football to start the second half. Nick Fitzgerald hit uh, Jamal Couch with a 32-yard TD pass. little play-action thing. PAT good by Jace Christian, and it's 28-3. And then BYU gets another play. Uh, let's see if we have that Gowalaku interception. Nope. Okay. 24-yard line of BYU. Shotgun snap. Pulls the ball away from the back. Sees pressure. Throws desperately. And is picked off by Gomolico again. Five-yard line. 10, 15, 20. Dian 25. Dian middle of the field between the hashes. 30. Tracked from behind and brought down at the 45-yard line of BYU for the second time today. Dian Gunwolaku. This time, BYU makes it pay off with the turnover. Gowalaku gets a ball out in decent field position. BYU gets a penalty against uh, Mississippi State. They're in great shape at the 43-yard line. And then BYU moves it to the 32-yard line, and they were able to score on this play. In the slot left, twins either side. Shotgun snap, Mangamel, back blocks. Tanner loads up, throws on the seam, and it's a touchdown to Aleva Hifo! Mangum's pass is complete. Wow, listen to the crowd. There, there were people here for BYU. That was a touchdown. Uh, Hefo got the 32-yard completion. And PAT good by Red Almond, 28-10. Uh, to 10. And at that point, you're heading into the fourth quarter, thinking maybe we can make it interesting. But BYU in the fourth quarter, Mark, had two yards mm. of total offense. Two yards. And they couldn't capitalize on a fumble recovery at the MSU 29-yard line on that following play after the touchdown. MSU fumbled the kickoff return. BYU had great field position at the 29. Couldn't do anything with it. The last score was a 70-yard drive by MSU, a six-yard run by Eris Williams. PAT good by Jace Christman. Final score 35-10 to 10 for MSU. Fans, if you're looking for an even more convenient way to shop at Smith's, try Smith's ClickList. Order online, pick up curbside at the store. Visit smithsfoodanddrug.com slash clicklist for details. Okay, some individual numbers of note here. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald was 19 for 30 for 241, two touchdowns and two picks, a passer rating of 139.5. His, his throws that were picked were pretty bad, but he was pretty good otherwise. He also ran for two scores on 103 rushing yards. Eris Williams ran 23 times for 114. So two rushers get to the century mark against BYU as they run for 306 yards. The first 300-yard rush game against BYU in more than seven years. 
546 on the total yardage to BYU's 176. 29 rushing for BYU, 306 rushing for MSU. BYU passed for 147, another sub-200 game, and 240 passing for the Bulldogs. Keith Mixon was the leading receiver for MSU, 5 for 69. Gray was 4 for 41 and a score. BYU gets 5 for 77 from Aleva Hifo, so a breakout game for Aleva and his first career touchdown. Uh, Bushman, one catch, six yards. Trinaman, two for 17. No one else really jumps out. Uh, Braden L. Bakery, five carries for 20. BYU had an average yards per carry today of 1.7 yards. MSU at 5.8. BYU ran 17 times, 29 yards. Of the three guys who ran it, of the five guys who ran it, three had negative yardage. Al Bakri had 20, and Tolu Tau had 15. He also lost a really important fumble at a bad time. Never a good time to lose a fumble, yeah. but it was pretty crushing when it came at that spot in the game. Mangum goes 16 for 26, a buck 45 touchdown and a pick. Passer rating of 113.4. Critchlow comes in and goes one for three for two yards. And those are the numbers of note. Mark, let's take a look at your pregame, now postgame. Ken Garf keys of the game. You take a look at them before and after the game, and they're brought to you by Ken Garf, Honda, Nissan, and Volkswagen. Proud supporters of BYU and the Cougar community. We hear Cougs. What were your keys to the game today, Mark? Contain the quarterback runs, and that uh, just didn't happen. And uh, keep drives alive. Even if you don't score points, work for better field position. And I felt that uh, early in the game, BYU put a couple of drives together. They got that drive with the field goal added on, but uh, certainly not enough. They did fight for field position, but still gave up long drives to Mississippi State. Three, be a team. Work to perform your part, play your part of the game, be a unit. Didn't happen. Those are your Ken Garf keys to the game. Post-game coverage will continue with the post-em. Cougar post-game live. Jason Shepard hosts that next, and we'll return to Starkville for player and coach comments. Final score, Mississippi State 35 and BYU 10. BYU falls to 1-6 on a six-game losing skid. Tell you, never happened to Lavelle, nor Gary Croton, nor Bronco Mendenhall, but it's happening now. A six-game losing streak and a 1-6 start to a season. Last time happened was 49 years ago, 50 seasons ago for BYU. It's been a rough go. Can they turn it around and still find themselves in a bowl game? Well, we'll have to win out to do that, and their first chance comes next week at ECU. Much more to come from Starkville, and we've got postgame coverage continuing after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The clock has hit zero, and this one is in the books. It's time for Cougar Postum Post Game Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Postum Post Game Live. Postum, there's a reason. Post Game coverage is also brought to you by Provo Land Title. In 1966, we started with a simple goal service. 50 years later, that goal is now a tradition. And by America First Credit Union, Utah's number one credit union and your winning financial team. Now, let's join your host, Jason Shepard. Welcome into Cougar Postum Postgame Live, your final this afternoon, 35-10. to 10, BYU falls on the road at Mississippi State. The Cougars record now 1-6. and six. That is six losses in a row for the BYU football team. The first time that has happened since back in 1968. Coming up 
Next Saturday, BYU will remain on the road and on the East Coast. BYU will be traveling to East Carolina. That game will get underway at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, right here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Lots to go over. If you want to chime in, you can tweet me at JSN Shep. Again, at JSN Shep. You can tweet me your thoughts on this game. 35-10, 25-point loss for the Cougars. And really, it came down to just being dominated um, on both sides, really. 546 yards of total offense for Mississippi State, just 176 for BYU. Uh, Diane Gawoliku with two interceptions uh, set BYU up a couple of times. The Cougars were able to capitalize uh, on some of the opportunities, but certainly not enough. Today, Tanner Mangum played the majority of the game at quarterback, 16 for 26, 145 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Joe Critchlow came in with just under four minutes to go. He went one for three for two yards. Uh, really, the, the lack of the running game, just 29 yards on the ground compared to 306 to the Bulldogs. And by the way, uh, as Greg Rubel mentioned on the broadcast and uh, tweeted out a few moments ago, uh, that is the first time since Air Force did it back in 2010 that BYU has allowed a uh, opposing team to rush for 300-plus on the ground. Again, next week, BYU will travel to East Carolina, and uh, that is a game you will hear right here on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Postum has been the perfect family drink for more than 120 years. There's a reason Postum creates warm memories. Learn more at postum.com. Coming up, we'll update you on the day in college football. We'll also let you know what's going on with number 7 BYU women's volleyball. They've got a big match going on right now at the Smith Fieldhouse. We'll update you on that as well. That's all coming up as we continue on with Cougar Post and Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Jason Shepard with you on Cougar Postum Post Game Live. BYU loses its sixth game in a row today in Starkville, Mississippi. 35-10, the final Mississippi State over the BYU Cougars. Other action going on right now. We will begin in the top 25. Just under four minutes to go in the fourth quarter at Indiana. It is number 17, Michigan, with a 10-point lead over the Hoosiers. 20-10 is that score. A final at Pitt, number 20, NC State. Gets the victory over the Panthers, 35-17. Eight and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. The Texas Tech Red Raiders, 24th in the country, are trailing at West Virginia. Texas Tech down for it is 39-35 in favor of West Virginia. In the first quarter, and this is a game that was supposed to be uh, underway at the same time as the BYU-Mississippi State game, but due to weather issues and lightning in Manhattan, Kansas, it was delayed. They're just under four minutes to go in the first quarter, and it is number six. TCU leading at Kansas State 7 to nothing. Games about to get underway. Number 7 Wisconsin hosting Purdue. Number 10 Auburn at LSU. Number 11 Miami is at home hosting the Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech. It is number 12 Oklahoma at Texas. That game being played at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas as it usually is. Number 14 Oklahoma State hosting Baylor. Number 25 Navy will travel to Memphis to take on the Tigers. Uh, a little bit later on around 5 o'clock Mountain Time 7 
7 o'clock Eastern. It's East Carolina at number 22, UCF. Arkansas will take on number one, Alabama in Tuscaloosa coming up in a few hours. It is number four, Georgia at home, hosting the Missouri Tigers. Number nine, Ohio State travels to Lincoln to battle the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Number 18, South Florida, hosting Cincinnati. The University of Utah will be in L.A. tonight at the Coliseum, taking on number 13, USC. Number 21, Michigan State on the road at Minnesota. Number 19, San Diego State is hosting Boise State, obviously the team that BYU lost to last week. Let's head back out to Starkville and listen to the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Satake. Some positives, but not, not just not a lot, not enough. So uh, we'll go back, and our backs are against the wall now, definitely, if we didn't feel it before. And so uh, you know, our guys are going to have to step up, and we have to make plays. You want to have an East Coast uh, travel next week, and so we got to be ready for East Carolina. I know they'll be ready for that game, too. So hopefully we can get things fixed and, uh, and perform a lot better next week. So any questions? Are you surprised by the defensive struggles, giving up some of the rushing yards and this tackle? Yeah, I thought I thought um, I thought there were some issues with the run game. You know, we obviously gave them some drives, but um, I think it's really difficult when when you have to defend. We had to defend close to nearly 50 plays in the first half, and that uh, you're looking at the play discrepancy. They had 84 when we had 46, and so it's again it's tough to play defense when when uh, you're out there quite a bit. I, I I believe it was the uh, it was a long drive we gave it was a long drive that we got. To play one one play and, and Ula fumbled the ball and uh, you know it's, it's really hard. I mean against a team like this in their setting and uh, we had to go to our depth because of uh, because of a lengthy drive earlier. So uh, it's just it's tough to defend when you're not really doing much on the other side. And uh, not saying not not uh, making excuses for the defense because there are some mistakes sure. there, missed tackles and and uh, a few other things up front. I thought we'd play better up front and, and be able to handle the run better. Definitely, and so disappointed in that. But I thought they, uh, you know, I thought they they put it to us up front on the line of scrimmage and and gashed us and just in just in the run game. So uh, we have to play a lot more stout up front if we're going to have a chance to, to succeed and to stop the run. And just couldn't get that going. And again, third downs was was it were the issues and on one of the drives that couldn't get out of them. We had some good some you know a couple long third downs and just couldn't get out of those. So. Um, just a lot of things that improve still. I mean, I keep saying the same stuff over and over again, and yeah, I, I got to fix it. So, did you have obviously you had thoughts that today could be different? What what encouraged you coming into this game? Well, because we beat them last year, and we can you know we're, we're familiar with them. I mean, there's there's a few changes, but for the most part, they're just a little older now. I mean, Nick Fitzgerald is a really good quarterback, and. Um, I think uh, last year we contained them a little bit. This year, uh, they, this game, they, you know, got away with the stuff on QB run. You know, they, they're able to convert some third downs and in the red zone. They lean on him and the, I mean, QB draw and stuff like that. We've been practicing. It's a, it's not like uh, it was a secret that that Fitzgerald could run. We knew that going into it. And it's uh, when when you know what's coming and you can't stop it. That's really discouraging as a defense. And that that's pretty much what happened today. What were your thoughts when the friend was laying on the field? That our best player was hurt, you know, and that was, uh, um, you know, I, I think he'll he'll be okay. He's a, he's a fighter, but yeah, just, just nervous for him, you know. But uh, I, I, it's a physical game against a really physical team, and um, and Fred plays as many plays as I think he's played more plays than anyone on on this team, you know. So he doesn't like to come out and maybe got a little bit tired, but. 
stuff like that happens, I think he'll bounce back and we'll, we'll evaluate him a little bit more. But he, he's fine. He's a, he's a competitor, and, and uh, he'll, he'll just have to go through it and find a way to get get healthy for next week. Klein, were you okay with just the overall effort and you guys kind of hanging in there? Yeah, I mean, so it's hard to really judge it when you, when you're going through the moments and being emotional. I think you you got to watch it on film, but I didn't sense any part of quitting. You know, in fact, when we got the the fumble on the kickoff, you, you had a little bit of, of life back. You know, and, and we felt like we were getting some momentum. And, and unfortunately, our offense couldn't do anything there. And we were we were a little we we're further away. There's a little going into the wind. It just didn't. We're not very accurate kicking it from that 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 uh, that distance in, in, in our field goal. It just didn't feel like um, percentage-wise we'd be better kicking the ball rather than going for it on fourth. And I believe it's 13 yards or 14. I can't remember, but um, you know. And then uh, I just we obviously threw a pick in that that fourth down, and that was disappointing. Either. Um, I just have to really look at the film, but I thought our guys gave effort our defensively. We we're just getting gashed. I mean. Uh, the guys were there we just weren't making plays. We were missing tackles and dripping off of off, off of uh, ball carriers a few times. And I may be thinking of a couple plays, and it's kind of overshadowing everything. But the, the stats don't lie, and they ran the ball 53 times for 300 yards. And so that's you're getting gashed if that happens, you know. And they used a lot of different personnel to, to get it done. So um, that was disappointing for for our guys. But it wasn't a lack of effort, and I had to look at it, and maybe we have to come up with some different schemes to help stop the run. Or, find creative ways to, to, to get out of drives because uh, it's not working. And I thought we had a good game plan going into it. I thought we had some good things that, that, we, that we could lean on, but um, it's not the players' effort, the lack of or lack of. It's, uh, it's uh, honest coaches. we got to get it done. How would you describe what the offensive approach coming into today was? Well, I, I thought we were going to ha- um, hang our hat on trying to run the ball and put it up on our guys up front who have the most experience. I was talking about the O-line. Um, and I thought, you know, the game plan was to go in there and do, do some things with the RPOs and try to get the run going and, and um, you know, just um, we couldn't move the front really that, that much, as well as we thought we could and, um, you know, trying to get the ball to, to, to Ula and Braden and obviously Ula fumbles the ball in the one that, that cost us, but it's just um, couldn't get any momentum going up front. I, I would say up front defensive line and offensive line we got beat up front and that's what we were trying to hang our hat on and that's uh, that's very disappointing so is that why you call three, I think three running plays on third and six or more is that just trying to hang your hat on something um, well I, I, I had to look at that uh, the, what the distances were yeah but I had to talk to Ty about those calls and I think we're just trying to get the uh, try not to make mistakes, I guess, and I had to look at why we, we made those calls and if we there's something that we thought we saw there, you know, on third and middle distance or so. How do you think Bush did coming back um, his hand injury? Um, I mean, obviously the hand's an issue, right? So I think most of the times uh, you forget that you get to use your hands when you're taking on blocks and stuff like that, and maybe he was uh, trying to rip through them because he couldn't use that hand, and it's, it's still a, a painful deal, you know, so... Um, but he's, he's practiced. Uh, last week he didn't practice as much as why he didn't play this week. He practiced, and um, you know, I, again, I have to look at the film to see how he played. Um, but uh, it's hard to play with one arm, you know. And we had guys out there with braces, and 
on their elbows and stuff, and that's just it's part of the game. It's not not everybody's playing 100. Uh, percent Neither is Mississippi State, you know. So, uh, but the technique's got to still work. You have to still use the technique whether you have a club on your hand or if you have all five fingers working freely, you know. So, um, yeah. what was your message to the guys after the locker room? Well, we talked about just just doing the, the the little details and get things done, and obviously we don't sugarcoat anything. Our backs against the wall, and these seniors want to go to a bowl, a bowl game, so we got to win the next one. You don't win them all until you win one, so we got to focus on trying to get a win next week. And from the coaches and the players and everybody involved, we got to find ways, and and, uh, and we get we have to be creative and find ways to score points on the offense and get keep drives alive and. Uh, same thing on defense, just to stop the run. I just can't. You're not going to win very many games with that type of a run out to it. I mean, they, they should have ran the ball 80 times, you know, so. It's an important phone call. <laughs> How encouraging was it to see Diane get a couple, not only interceptions, but get some big return yards on those? Yeah, I mean, it would have been helpful. He could have got in the end zone a couple of times. That would have been nice. But, um, uh, you know, if, if we do things the right way, I think we'll get those, those kind of throws. Um, Still not enough pressure on the quarterback, but I think that for the most part they're running the ball, and a lot of the stuff they're doing was they're they're really hard setting up front, and so it's really tough against a team like this that's focused on running the ball to get any kind of pass pressure on them. And um, I think a lot of the passes were quick, but there are a few where um, it was actually a five-step drop, and, and we should have got more more pressure on them. But I think you do that, you can create turnovers. Um, the, the the picks that Diane got were good coverage, you know, and. and uh, He's, he just has a knack for, for being able to beat people and find ways to get picks. and uh, It's nice to see, you know. And, um, I don't know what the turnover what the turnover battle was at, but uh, it, was, it was good to get some momentum, get try to get some turnovers. And the one off the kickoff was nice too. And um, yeah, I think Mick, I think Mickelson mishit the ball and um, knew he made a mistake and, and hustled as much as he could to make up for it. And, that's why they got a good return because he mishit the ball, and it's nice that he got there to make the hit. So um, everyone needs to play with that type of uh, that type of effort and that type of if you mess up, try to do everything you can to, to make up for it. And I'm not saying that they're not, but I, it was nice to see Nicholson do that. And there's guys on this, this team that are still fight. Coaches will all do. We'll keep fighting and, and find a way to get through this and try to get the uh, win next week. Any other questions? Uh, nice pass play to uh, Hateful on that. Uh, probably maybe one of the biggest plays of the year for you. you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we just need to get more of those. <laughs> you know, and, um, and so uh, I, again, I have to look at the film and see what we're good at. And then um, I just really thought that we could do more up front on both sides of the ball. That's that's my biggest disappointment right now. And so. Um, yeah, that, you know when you we're not able to do that, uh, it makes a big makes a big problem for us. And on both sides of the line, in the trenches, we were not good enough, and so we have to have an answer if we're not doing well in the trenches. We have to have an answer on both sides of the ball to find ways to stop others from running on us, and also find ways to you know move down the field, score points <clears throat> on offense. So, all right, guys, so thank you. Appreciate it. Kalani Satake's comments after today's 35-10 loss at Mississippi State. Postum has been the perfect family drink for more than 120 years. There's a reason Postum creates warm memories. Learn more at Postum.com. We will update you on what's going on at the Smith Fieldhouse. As number 7 BYU Women's Volleyball host Gonzaga will also wrap up Cougar Postum Postgame Live next on the new skin BYU Sports Network. 
BYU loses today 35-10. to 10. That is now six losses in a row for the Cougars. The first time they've been on a six-game losing streak since 1968. Welcome back into Cougar Post and Post Game Live. Jason Shepard with you. Just quick update from what's going on over at the Smith Fieldhouse right now. Number seven, BYU hosting Gonzaga in women's volleyball. Cougars taking the first set 25-11. to 11. Right now in set number two, Gonzaga has a one-point lead at 9-8 to eight over the Cougars. Cougars have won 10 in a row, as I mentioned, seventh in the country. They are absolutely rolling right now, so good luck to them throughout the afternoon against Gonzaga. As I mentioned, six in a row for the Cougars that they have lost. They'll get a chance to snap that next week at East Carolina. That's a game that you will hear right here on the new skin BYU Sports Network. 7 p.m. Eastern Time is kickoff, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, which means that pregame coverage will start at 3 p.m. Mountain Time right here on the new skin BYU Sports Network. That's going to do it for Cougar Post and Post Game Live. Your final score, 35-10. to 10. BYU falls to Mississippi State. The Cougar Locker Room Show is next on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to post-game coverage of BYU football on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Our coverage continues with the Cougar Locker Room Show. He's going to go! Touchdown! Let's head live to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Broadcast booth and join Mark Lyons along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Here in Starkville, 35-10, MSU over BYU. Tanner Mangum and Diane Gomoliku at the press conference podium here postgame. I, I got to trust what he calls, you know. And there, there, there are certain plays where I can check out, but, uh, you know, that, that's what he's seeing. And, you know, we talk on the sideline, and, um, you know, uh, then I'm going to run what, you know, what he, tells me to, what, what he tells me to run. You know, I respect him, and, um, you know, we got to be able to get movement. we gotta, we got to be able to run the ball effectively. we got to be able to get some push. So, you know, we got to be able to execute. Whatever, whatever the play may be. Anything else for Tanner? Good. Thanks. Okay. Diane Gomolik was also at the uh, podium there. I guess both uh, I just seen. Uh, I just uh, sung, to be honest. I seen two receivers go deep, and the safety was up top. I stayed in the middle. Let the quarterback choose which one. I just broke off on both of them. They kind of ran the kind of the same play, but the second one, the tight end, just ran the uh, post and out. So I just stayed on top. That's what I saw on both plays. The first one, when you start to run back, you got a lot of open field. What kind of goes through your mind, and how did that play out? Yeah, I was a little uh, tired on that, <laughs> but I seen the open field. I was like, I'm taking it to the house, but unfortunately, it didn't go as I planned. Uh, I f- tried to follow my blocks, but. It is what it is, you feel me? <laughs> you read a couple of good blocks and got some extra yardage, but then the quarterback came around in the corner. Oh, yeah, it's always bad getting tackled by the quarterback. Everyone's on your head. You're, yeah, everyone. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the quarterbacks are athletes, too, especially their quarterback. He's a big dude. He can run. So I don't, I don't take it like a down player or anything. What were your thoughts when Fred was laying on the ground? Next man up, to be honest. I know Fred's going to be good. Obviously, he's a playmaker. He's one of our best tacklers on the team. He's the leader of our defense. And Chaz came in. He did did what he needed to do and filled in. I feel like he did pretty good. And Fred came back in. And we started right up right from there and just kept going. Other than the, the tackling today wasn't as good as you guys have been. Why? Why do you think that was? We just need to focus in. I feel like everyone's thinking too much, like trying to do other people's job. But or like our coach would say, one eleven. Just do your job. Stay with your man. That's how you make tackles, make plays. 
feel like everyone was trying to help each other and maybe missing their own assignment? Yeah, it's not not the whole game, but just like some plays, you can tell like a corner will like go in too much or go out too much, linebacker safety, but. We know we know our plays obviously, and we know our jobs, what to do, our man, and is it be they're being a good teammate? It's not like they're being selfish or anything. They're trying to help, but just like we said, we trying to get our minds right. One eleven, that's always the what we keep on our heads. Just do your one eleven, do your job, play your man, and zone just cover. Have you been satisfied with the practices leading up to this game? Uh, we we flip team things around a lot at practice. More intensity. Uh, playing more physical, getting on each other about stuff, not letting the coaches uh, control everything, like putting it all on the coaches. We're taking, uh, we're being accountable for what we do, and so I feel like practices change a lot. We're just, we're gonna get better. Anything else for Diane? You good? Okay, great. All right, that's uh, Diane Gomolaku, two INTs today, and he was the best thing the Cougars had going for yeah. him today. Uh, he set the Cougars up with two short fields. As a result, uh, BYU won the average starting field position game essentially because he has two long INT returns. They fumble a kickoff return. Those three short fields gave BYU the edge in field position. But of those three short fields, seven total points, I think. And that's not enough in a game like today where you need something to even the score. We'll take a break. We'll continue as the Cougar Countdown show rolls on from Starkville here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, post-game coverage continues here in Starkville. Braden L. Bakri right at the post-game now. press conference podium. Sucks Let's go downstairs. It sucks to be in this situation. Probably more carries. Was that part of the game plan? Did you expect that? Um, First down. In the double back sets, yes. Single back sets, no. It was a a little bit because of injury of Trey Die. A little bit of game planning as well. Is that the first time you've been in the backfield with your brother? Yeah, that that was probably the highlight of the game for me. today. felt like there's a lot of things that came close to clicking. We had big opportunities that we missed, whether by a lack of one eleventh of execution or lack of time or lack of knowledge. Something that can be fixed and I I'm gonna try to make it so that everybody knows exactly what they're doing this week because I, I can't lose again. got the, inter- or the fumble recovery on the kickoff mm-hmm. um, and just weren't able to kind of take that momentum. What, what did that kind of do? Was that pretty deflating? I mean, any time that you get a turnover against another team, you should be able to capitalize and, I don't know, try and break free from other times because the momentum swings in your direction. And not being able to capitalize on that often takes sales out of some of the players and some of the sideline, especially from the defense. I feel like they they want us to perform better than we are, and we are kind of letting them down. Any other questions? 
Thanks, guys. All right, that's uh, Braden L. Bakri, who today uh, led BYU in yards, rushing at 20. Five for 20, average of four, long of seven. BYU's long run play on the day was seven yards. BYU averaged 1.7 yards per carry. MSU's long run was no longer than 19. They weren't busting huge runs, but they were steady good runs all day long, an average of 5.8 yards per carry. And that was what a lot of what they did. Let's run it for six and six and six and yeah. six, and it just seemed easy for them. So they averaged 5.8. BYU averages 1.7 as the Bulldogs rack up 306 yards. They had more running plays than BYU had total plays. BYU snapped 46 times on the day, and uh, MSU had 53 either handoffs or quarterback runs on the day. More of the Cougar locker room show after this in Starkville on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Final score today is a 35 to 10 Mississippi State over BYU. Cougars fall to 1 and 6 on a 6 game losing skid. Uh, Braden L. Bakri saying a moment ago he will do all he can to get his guys on the same page because in his words Mark quote I can't lose again. Yeah. <laughs> 6 straight losses. 6 straight. You know, and uh, that's pretty tough. I, I just uh, you know I, there's so much sympathy that goes with them because I know that they uh, plan on and prep and work hard and it just doesn't show up on the field. So it's a real challenge for them to get over this and be able to improve themselves well enough to beat somebody. And there was a moment, a fleeting moment, where BYU was uh, back in the game at 28-10 to 10 and with the football. So it's a late, in the first, uh, late in the fourth quarter. BYU has just scored to make it 28-10, and the Bulldogs fumble... The ensuing kickoff. Yeah, those two, when you have those two together, man, you jump on them and get after it, and uh, all of a sudden everything's going your way. Those things really turn the tide. BYU had the ball at the Mississippi State 29-yard line, down 28-10, spark of life. Instead, three plays later, interception, and on the in the in the entire quarter they gained two yards. So you're in the game. You think maybe a chance to make it a game a little bit, and then, no, you're back out of it, and it never got close. Yeah. BYU with two fourth-quarter yards. Now, that interception was a fourth-down throw, which you just have to make. After you they have had to gone do backwards. Something. They went backwards. Uh, lost to, two yards. Yeah, yeah. they lost two yards and, and then threw that fourth-down pick. And, uh, again, a field goal, had they made it, 48, 49 yards, does help the comeback effort. You're still down a couple of touchdowns. That said, you don't fault, you don't fault the fourth down. Uh, attempt. It was just an INT, and that was that in this day. We'll come back and uh, hear from Kalani Satake shortly as we continue. BYU Falls 35-10 to fall to 1-6 here on the new skin BYU Sports Network. All right, 35-10 MSU over BYU head coach of the Bulldogs. Dan Mullen spoke to the press a short time ago. Here are some of his comments. Uh, I'll tell you what, good, I, 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 liked, uh, I liked the approach our guys had today. I, I think they came out with a real workmanlike attitude uh, for the game. I thought, you know, we, we did some silly things, made some, some mistakes uh, that didn't make me happy, obviously, turning the ball over in the red zone. We had a couple silly penalties there. Uh, missed a couple tackles on defense, but, uh, uh, but overall, uh, you know, those are things we got to get corrected. We got to get fixed. But overall, I, I like the performance our guys came out with. The mindset, uh, you know, coming off a of bye week, early kickoff. Uh, you know, a, a, a team obviously that, that we, we talked about was going to be a physical on both both lines of scrimmage. Uh, and uh, you know, I thought we came out, and played hard on defense. Ran to the ball, uh, made plays, you know, obviously holding them to 10 points and uh, did a good job. We were able to control the line of scrimmage on offense and, and kind of wear them down with the, you know, the, they looked 
kindly on us with the temperature of the today. You know, they're coming. I don't think it was this warm in Provo uh, during the week in practice. So it was a hot one, and we were able to kind of get the tempo going offensively and run the ball offensively, which certainly helped. So uh, we stayed balanced, stayed pretty well balanced. And, um, you know, but we got to get ready now because we, we got a lot of things we got to improve on. I uh, need to uh, thank all the fans for coming today. Uh, to see us, we need a we need a, a wilder environment. Actually, get back into SEC play to help keep make sure we get that that home field advantage. So I know they'll they'll come back next week and uh, uh, give us that advantage that you need to, to make it really hard on opposing teams. Questions? We'll get a mic to you. I'll tell you what, you know, Aris is a guy that, that we knew he was going to be uh, that, that type of player coming. You could see it. And it was just him growing into the position, growing into the reads, patient in his runs, understanding how plays are going to hit, understanding pass protections, understanding the routes. And I think a lot of people get lost on that sometimes. That, Hey, it's not just about hand the ball and go run the ball. And you see how he's matured. You know, I mean, some of his big plays and today were picking up pass protections and, and coming out of the backfield, catching catching some balls to keep some drives alive and, and give us those plays. I mean, I, I know, you know, because you look at the 23 for 114, grinding it out between the tackles, you know, when your longest is 19, that's, that's grinding it out. But some of the other plays that he makes that, you know, you don't really pay it. You see a lot of our big plays, and that's what he's really grown into. You're right, you went heavy with the screen game and some short-passing game stuff early on. Were you all expecting that, and how did you all attack that? No, I think we, we, we adjusted to it. You know, they hadn't shown that a lot uh, coming into the game. But, uh, you know, I know I think I, I, their quarterback's still a little bit banged up, so to kind of help him out early in the game to uh, get the ball out of his hands and, and, and mix it up and keep, off, keep us off balance. But I thought, uh, I thought Todd and the staff and the players did a really nice job adjusting to that defensively. Hey, Dan, what do you think you learned from your wide receiver group today? I don't know. I'm gonna go watch the film. They, they didn't. They're good kids. They're not the smartest guys in the world, so they didn't like teach me anything, like philosophically or mathematically. No. <laughs> uh, Billy's over with them. I know they got that grease board up there. Who knows what they're doing in there? You know what I mean? So they could be teaching anything in there. But I didn't go over to get a lesson in anything. But uh, no, I, I thought. Uh, I thought they did, you know, they did well. I think you know one of the things we're trying to get that depth to be able to roll those guys through. Uh, you know, and, and I think each guy did, did a little something different. It's great to see Jamal make plays down the field. Uh, I thought we did a decent job blocking on the perimeter. You know, Donald made some nice contested catches, you know, with guys draped over him. So, um, you know, those are things you have to do as we move forward to, 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 uh, to make those type of plays. Coach, uh, you rushed for 300 yards today, offensive line. There's a pretty good job out there rush blocking. I know you hadn't seen the film yet. What were your impressions there, Clark? Uh, I, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with those guys, especially having to play the two freshman tackles. You know, you got your, your top lineman out uh, with Martinez being out uh, again this week. Uh, you know, you get worried. Mike, Michael Story was going was out again. Was was out this week for us uh, for the most part. So you know, that's that's your really your probably the first guy in the game's out, and you know, one of your starters is out. We we're pretty thin, but they stepped up. Next man up, they stepped up, and we're able to run the ball. And uh, you know, this is a tough physical group. Uh, that you play, you know, I mean, you, you play BYU, you know, you're always going to get big physical guys inside, and they were able to block them, so uh, pretty pretty pleased with, with them, and they gave us some different looks that we hadn't hadn't been expecting, they hadn't shown a lot, so uh, they mixed it up on us, but our guys did a good job adjusting. Uh, 
along those lines, Greg Allen got his first career start. Obviously, he was a lot more calm than he was two weeks ago. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, well, I think one, you know, obviously the home, you're at home, home field advantage in this league. Like I said, I mean, it can be such a huge factor. You know, you're not just play. Sometimes you're not just playing the 11 guys that are on the field against you. I mean, it feels like you're playing against 90,000 other people at times, or 80,000, or 60,000, or whatever we want. You know, however many we're going to pack in here to make it hard and make Kentucky feel that next week. Uh, you know, I mean, it, that that's tough duty, especially on young players getting their first at live action. All right, that's uh, Dan Mullen, head coach of MSU. BYU's head coach Kalani Sitake is next on the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. Final score, MSU 35, BYU 10. On the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. He walks in for six. Touchdown, Cougars. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And we are pausing 10 seconds now for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. KBYU FM, HD2, Provo. You're listening to Cougar Sports on BYU Radio. BYU falls to 1-6 and six on the year, falling to Mississippi State today here at uh, Davis-Wade Stadium. Scott Field here in Starkville on a hot, humid day. Almost 55,000 fans on hand for this one. Head coach the Cougars, Kalani Sitake, is with us uh, now post-game. And uh, Kalani, I know it doesn't get any easier to dissect these uh, these games but I know you thought you had something you could go with coming into today, and uh, MSU kind of took it away and grounded out on you today. Yep, and uh, they, they beat us up, up up front where we thought we could uh, compete with them, and uh, uh, just really frustrating, um, you know, with with uh, with our inability to stop the run and our inability to run the ball on offense. So in the trenches, we weren't good enough, and we need to find ways to be creative and find ways to make stops. I mean, if we can't uh, get it done up front, we can't get it done on on, you know, on both sides of the ball. So uh, just very disappointing again. Uh, you know, but we got to fight back and, and, and get ready for the next one and, and learn from this and uh, keep the guys rallying together and keep them united and uh, find a way to, to win the next one. MSU had 53 running plays and you had 46 total plays. Now it's kind of a big number to overcome. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, uh, you know, <clears throat> that's happened way too many times this year, I believe, LSU and um, I'm trying to think Wisconsin. Wisconsin. You, you've, you've been under 50 plays three yeah. times this year. Yeah, and that, it's, it's tough to score points when, you don't, when you're limited to that many plays. And so... Uh, you, you know, I don't. I don't blame everything on the offense. The defense has to find a way to get out of third downs. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's really difficult when you when you, uh, when you can't score points and you and you turn the ball over still. You know, so uh, I thought we had some opportunities. There's there, there's a spot where we could get, you know, really get into the game when we had the ball um, beyond midfield after the fumble and. Uh, you know, we, we had opportunities. We were there. We, we, we couldn't score points and, and couldn't get back into this. And so, but uh, th- we, we keep ourselves in the bad, bad position with, um, you know, with what we thought would be our strength, which is getting, doing stuff up front with our, with our O-line and our D-line. Uh, Diane Gualaku was the bright spot today, Coach. He made a couple of big, exciting plays and uh, set you up with a couple of short fields. Yeah, and that's um, I, I, he. He's worked extremely hard uh, on his technique, and he's very competitive, and he finds ways to make plays. You know, so I'm glad that he was able to uh, to come away with some turnovers. But uh, you know, that that's it wasn't good enough, obviously, as a team. But uh, he he was a bright spot, and some of the things that he was able to do. He's very competitive, and I thought he. Uh, 
played really well, you know, for most of the game. Yeah, I was impressed uh, with their quarterback and his ability to run it because I think Dian is a really good tackler, and he had a couple of hard times uh, tackling that Fitzgerald kid, their quarterback. He's a good runner. He is, and, and we knew that going into the game, and uh, so there are no surprises, you know. We, yeah. we have to find ways to make tackles and find a way to get, get him down. I mean, he's... He's 6'5", almost 230 pounds, so he's not a small guy. But, uh, you know, we, we were out of position a few times and dripped off the tackles. Uh, and, and that's not the right technique that we use. So um, give them credit for making plays and, and, and us uh, not being able to make those plays, make those tackles. The run game is going to be central to your game plan today, Coach. Uh, you ran El Bakri on 3rd and 6, 3rd and 9, 3rd and 11. Was that an indication of what you guys felt about Tanner's ability to get it done through the air, or did you see something you thought you could exploit on those plays, which might have called more traditionally for Tanner putting it up? Yeah, I had to evaluate that and talk to Ty and see what our thoughts were. But, um, um, you know, I just uh, obviously we want to get first downs. We want to find a way to make plays and find a way to get points. So, yeah. Uh, I really don't care what the play is as long as it's, it's a successful one. And there's there's a reason why we did something. Then yeah. I'll have to look at it and see why why we called certain things at certain times. And, yeah, so, I, you know, I, I was aware of it as we were playing the game. But, I mean, it's it's there's no time to really get an explanation for everything right yeah, away, yeah. you know. So um, I'll have to look at that and figure out why. Uh, why we decided to go things. I mean, it could have been there are times that, um, you know, if we were close, we would have gone for fourth down, but uh, I have to look at the result and watch the film again and, and kind of talk to Ty about what, why those calls were made. And I know you went away from Ula for a while because he just lost that fumble at a pretty key stretch, and so you did give him some time to think about it, right? Yeah, and it came at a bad time, too, because uh, we were just off the field defensively, and then now we had to come right back on after one play, you know, and so um, and it, it was a long drive, too, so it was a little frustrating. But it also, um, you know, when he fumbled the first time against Utah State, we gave him a chance to put him back in again, and he fumbled again. So um, it's got to be – it has to be – it has to be important to him, and it has to be important for us, and we need to teach him more to hold on to the ball. But uh, we thought if we can get him settled down and find a way to just possess the ball a little bit, we would have a better chance. And that um, – it's just – you know, we, we, we can't cost the cost our opportunities and our options to, to, to win if, if uh, guys keep or, or careless with the football. And in that one, he was. He just took his hand off of it. And uh, in traffic, you have to have both hands on the ball. We teach that. We practice it. We preach it. And um, just, you know, it's a too much of a, of a mistake for us to just let it go by freely. Coach, uh, I'm sorry I'm bringing up something insignificant, I think, but... Uh... There were many pass plays that Mississippi State ran today that I felt as though their receivers were blocking downfield on passes that were being thrown forward. Beyond the line of scrimmage. Beyond the line of scrimmage, which, of course, you can't do. And uh, did you see any of that? Did you notice any of those things? Yeah, I, I noticed it, too, and I brought it up. But, I mean, during the game, that's not the reason why we lost the game. Oh, no, but yeah. it was, it's it's really difficult for a DB to cover when he thinks he's getting blocked. Yeah. And uh, it's why we had the inevitable receiver downfield call finally, you know. And, and so, yeah. um, but that's, I mean, obviously you fight for your guys. And you, when you see something that's not right, then you bring it up. But um, there's really nothing you could have done about it if they're not going to call it. And so um, we brought it to their attention. And, and they decided that, you know, they, they call the game how they call it. But. Uh, I'm never going to blame the rest for anything. Oh, yeah. I just, I just, we just had, had to tell our guys to be a, be ready to play, and we had some PI calls that 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 uh, I'll have to look at it again, you know, and, and 
Um, and then we have to teach our guys not to grab and, and, and find ways to make plays. And then, uh, you know, that happens once in a while. But, um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, it's really difficult when you're de- playing with a team that does RPOs and they have linemen running downfield and they have uh, receivers blocking downfield. And you just have to defend it. You, you can't complain about stuff. You just got to uh, you let me do with the complaining, but the players have to keep playing and they have to find a way to defend it. And that's just... You know, with, but that's the the problem. That didn't give up. That we didn't give up 300 yards of rushing because of that. And yeah. we'll focus on the stuff that matters and the stuff that we can control. We'll take a break and have closing comments from Coach Satake next. We're in Starkville, where MSU defeats BYU 35-10. More with the coach next. You're on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. Mississippi State 35, BYU 10, our final score today. Fred Warner got hurt, came back in the game. That was a good thing. But another player left for the game. Trey Dye was out, who knows for how long. And Coach Satake, you don't talk a lot about it, nor do you want to talk a lot about it. But it's been a really rough year for BYU on the injury front. And you lose another offensive player today, and we'll see for how long. Yeah, and, and, and um, it's, I mean, it doesn't look good for next week for him. But it, we'll, we'll see and evaluate everything. But... Uh, I said that it's part of football, you know. Um, we had a couple guys that weren't able to go today, and um, you know, but but uh, we have to just deal with whoever's there and just get them ready and get them prepped up to play the game. And so, um, I, I have to look at the film and see how much uh, it was because of lack of experience compared to, um, you know, whether it's a missed assignment or anything like that. I mean, we, we have to kind of evaluate all, and sometimes it's. They're all so separate. It's it's hard to, to make it a one one comment on all of it, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Right. it's part of the game. And then unfortunately, we've been we've kind of been bitten with the injury bug a little bit more this year than than uh, we were last year. I mean, a lot more. But that's uh, you know we, we we still need to find ways. I keep saying the coaches need to find ways. Myself and all of our coaching staff need to find ways to score points and stop people from scoring and and, and giving us a better chance of winning. Yeah. Uh, it was a nice atmosphere here. It's kind of fun to come to the SEC, and uh, the flyover was pretty cool. So it was a good feeling for a football game. Did you have that same feeling on the sideline? Yeah, beautiful weather, and they had great fans. And then, yeah. you know, our guys got to experience the cowbells, and so yeah. I mean, it was it was really cool. I mean, but, um, you know, I think you don't take away from the experience because it wasn't a great one, but, I mean, it, our, our guys, thankful for the chance that they had to play the game, and I appreciate them playing hard. The entire time, and, and we just wanted to make this more competitive, and wanted to have a, find a way to make to get a win, you know, and um, just didn't do enough again. And and uh, I keep saying the same stuff over and over again. You could play probably play a replay of all the games, and, and it's the same stuff. And so if it keeps happening over and over again, then it's definitely my fault, and I need to find a way to make it work. I ran into a BYU fan before the game, took a picture with him. He had just ridden his motorcycle 1,700 miles from Hurricane to be here today and cheer on you guys, and he'll be with you next week at ECU, and you saw the BYU blue in the fans, uh, fans in the stands, and you know you get people wherever you go, and you'll see it again next week in Greenville. And I know you, you appreciate those folks, and you just wish that they'd uh, leave with a happier feeling. I know that. Yeah, and, and, and it would be nice to have them uh, be entertained more, you know, and, and, um, and you know, but we, re- we really appreciate our fans that, that uh, make – make an effort to come watch us play, especially when we're away from home. 
and um, th that's why it was important for us to sing the fight song with to them again and show them our appreciation. I mean, it's really hard to do when you're when you've just lost the game and probably for a lot of our guys felt like they got beaten up physically, but. Um, it, uh, I think it's good for those guys, to, and our team was all about it. They're excited to just show their appreciation to our fans, and um, that, that's a, a lot of the reason why they do what they do. And, and um, so th th we want to thank the fans, uh, you know, especially out here in Mississippi that came to this game, and um, just really sorry we couldn't give them more to cheer for. Kalani, as you know, kind of big picture here, uh, six-game losing streaks and one-and-six starts don't come around very frequently with BYU football. How do you approach what the team is involved in right now from that historical standpoint and, and getting out of it, the need, the desperate need to get this thing back on track? Yeah, it, it, just we, we have to fight. You have to keep fighting through this and um, find a way to get this turned, and that's everybody involved. And uh, focus on the little things, and then we have to do things uh, as a coaching staff to find ways to... to to win games, you know, and and um, didn't have enough answers. When when the line is not doing what you what you think or you plan on them doing, then you need to have a backup plan. And uh, obviously, our our backup plans weren't good enough, and so we had to improve on that and better get a better game planning. Um, but our players are trying hard, and they're giving us the effort. Physically, you just weren't good enough up front on both sides of the ball. Um, defensively, I thought, uh, you know, obviously didn't handle the run game, and offensively, we couldn't run the ball, so uh, and, and we couldn't keep drives going, so you're limited. And I mean, there's just so many things that are just uh, just as a snowball effect, you know, of, of, of negative things, and so um, it's just it's just really difficult so when our defense isn't playing great um, and our offense hasn't done anything yet this year then it causes problems for us well at the risk of putting the cart before the horse uh, to play in college football's postseason and you play 13 games you need to win seven and you've got six games left to win six to get to seven and is it okay to say that bowl eligibility is what this team should shoot for as their goal and see it as a reasonable goal to flip it around and get to sure i mean you're, you're, we're not gonna you know not gonna be blind to the fact that that uh, we uh, everybody knows here on, in the program in college football that, you, that for us we have to win seven games. We have six more left, and you do the math. And so, uh, but you can't win seven until you win the second one. So, all our focus is trying to get this win. I think once we get this win, it'll it'll help us overcome the, the issues that we're going through right now. And, um, but you know, the other part of it will be generating some some productivity on offense and. And get some stops on defense, and we're able to get some points and get some some momentum generated. Then it'll, it'll work in a positive for us, and it'll just take over, you know. And then uh, I think right now that uh, the only way to, to eliminate doubt and eliminate um, us being stagnant as as an offense and as a team right now is, is to make sure we go to work, and then give, keep giving the max effort and just fight. Now we really have to scrap for it. I mean, not literally throw punches, but we we have to give everything we've got and uh, all our focus, everything we've got into this next game, and that's all that matters is winning the next one. It's the most important game of the year. Last thing, Kalani, uh, what from today will you take as a positive on which to build for the week to come? Is there anything you can lean on to say well, this happened or that bad happened, the guys, if we do this a different way or, or more intently, something good can happen, or is it just a negative day for you? Well, I mean, obviously, whenever you lose, it's really hard for me to be positive. I, I'm a positive person, but uh, when we got beat up so badly physically, it's hard for me to be positive right now. But um, I do appreciate the players' effort, and, and they work hard, and they, they didn't give up. Um, we just, you know, as a coaching staff, we need to find ways to utilize that effort and then make sure that it helps us 
uh, try to generate points and stop people from scoring when we're, when we're on offense and defense. And that's uh, love the group, love the team, love the closeness that we have. And unfortunately, we've had to become closer because of these losses. But uh, we'll fight through this and we'll get through it together, you know, and, and that's the, that's got to be the plan. And but I appreciate the guys buy in and I appreciate them giving everything they can for us. And, and uh, we just need to uh, ask them to do a little bit more, obviously, and, and, and uh, maybe do things a little differently and try, try to be creative to find ways to win. Well, uh, we feel your pain, Coach, and uh, certainly wish you good luck this week and preparation for next week. And uh, you'll get back to that point where you'll see a rainbow, I can tell you. Yeah, well, you know, that's what we're looking forward to. So uh, right now think we're, we're scrambling, trying to get things done, and um, we have a great fan base that sticks with us and um, great people on this team. So we just got to make it work, and then uh, I'm – I got to make it happen. So, thank you guys. Kalani, safe travels. We'll see you next week. Appreciate it. Okay, that's uh, Kalani Satake. We will come back with uh, BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now. That's just around the corner. Uh, BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now is where we uh, head to social media and the email, see what you have in mind, and uh, take your discussion points and make them our discussion points. Talk it over up here in the booth before we wrap up our broadcast day. So, if you'd like to give us things to discuss, you can reach us on Twitter with the hashtag CC, I beg your pardon, with the hashtag BYUCNN. Hashtag BYUCNN. That's BYU Cougar Nation now. Hashtag BYUCNN for Twitter. You can also tweet me directly at Greg Rubel. I'll see it that way as well. You can email us. We have an email address for the show, and that's CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. CougarNationNow is one word with two N's. There at the tail end. Cougar Nation now at BYU.edu on the email. Hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. Cougar Nation now brought to you by BYU Creamery starts next from Starkville where the Bulldogs beat the Cougars by a score of 35-10 to 10 here on the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now. BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Be a part of the show by emailing your questions to CougarNationNow at BYU.edu or tweet your questions at Greg Rubel using the hashtag BYUCNN. Now, let's head live to the Bryant Heating and Cooling broadcast booth and join Mark Lyons along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. It is BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now, sponsored by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Later in the program, your chance to win two half gallons of famous Creamery ice cream. And they were serving ice cream in the press box yeah, here today. Did, yeah. I didn't get any. What? But I know you did. Uh, it's not Creamery ice cream, BYU no. Creamery ice cream. And you but, know uh, it was average, too. It's a good day for that today here. It's a, it's a warm one here in uh, Starkville. So it's uh, Mississippi State 35 and BYU 10, our final score. And this is Cougar Nation Now. Hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. We're going to kick it off with Robert on the Twitter saying, I'm tired of hearing the coach uh, blame the offense for the defenses playing so many plays. The D needs to make tackles, get pressure on the QB, and get off the field on third downs. Fair enough point, but he's talking about these kinds of things. When Diane Gomoloku returns a pick 67 yards and give you first and 10 at the, at the 33 and you're down seven, you can't lose a fumble just two plays later. And these are the kinds of things uh, that are symptomatic of the offensive issues right now. They're not making enough plays. Yeah, but BYU, I can argue the other point. Oh, you can that's right. go ahead and So of uh, BYU's three uh, turnovers gained, they were all gained on Mississippi State side of the field, the 33, the 42, and the 29. 
They got one touchdown. Seven points out of three turnovers inside the 45 of Mississippi State. The offense is not carrying its weight. I don't need to get too deep into this. The offense is not playing well. That's right. The defense has held up enough at certain times this season when given short fields. They've done enough in certain games to believe that they should be in the game, if not winning it, and the offense has not done enough to win it. You only need look at BYU's inability to throw the football over more than a year now to say that the offense isn't pulling its weight. I'm still going to say, on the whole, last 15 games or so, the defense has generally done well enough to expect more than BYU has gotten in the win-loss tally, in large part because either balance and or simple mere productivity throwing the football is not there. And BYU's long drive of the game today, now keep this, this is the long drive of the game, was a nine-play drive, it gained 27 yards. That was the first drive of the game where they punted. Okay, BYU got the the opening kickoff. Hang on. 55 yards for the field goal. The first drive BYU had, they punted. Yeah. But their longest drive of the game was 55 yards for the field goal. I'm talking about in terms of plays. Longest in terms of plays was nine plays. Okay? They had the ball no longer than nine plays at any point. And that was the first drive of the game, and they went 27 yards in nine plays in five and a half minutes. So their longest drive in plays and time was the first drive, and it got nothing. It got to midfield. That's not effective offensive plays. So I, you might not hear him. You might like to hear him talk about the offensive issues, but these are the issues that have BYU 1-6. and six. When your long drive is nine plays, and it goes only 27 yards, and it takes five and a half minutes, and you get nothing but a punt at midfield, that's a problem. Concurrent with that is the fact that BYU, with uh, the air uh, apparent at quarterback, it's not turned out that way in terms of effectiveness, but clearly Tanner Mangum is your guy right now. Hurt or not, they're riding him. But they're not letting him throw on 3rd and 6, 3rd and 9, 3rd and 11. So there was, there was lack of continuity in a philosophy and a lack of continuity in execution, no. and it all comes down to illustrate the issues the offense has right now, and that has to bear the primary weight of responsibility for where BYU is. Now you can have okay. a, a rebuttal, Mr. Lyons. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank the you. floor is yours. Well, uh, first of all, Kalani wasn't aware that they were going to be using El Bakri as their third down run guy on third and long. So that kind of surprised me that uh, he wasn't familiar. He was saying he had to talk to Ty. Well, about he, he said he wanted to see what his motivation was. Yeah, right. And so, in other words, I don't. And he said you can't take the time during the game to go talk about it and figure it out. Secondly, uh, I talked about, now they did cross the 50-yard line, punted it, and downed it at the 10-yard line on that first possession. That was their intent, to so, pin. Yeah, and if we're playing a field position game, putting them inside the 20-yard line is a good thing. But, so, that, but that can't be the highlight of your game. No, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying you did your job. Offense did their job. They didn't but, get but, points. But where are you? Where are you, you as a team? First if down. You say, where are you as a now, team? When I you, wanted to interrupt you a whole I, bunch of times, I and I didn't. You're really polite. Judge Judy would jump all over <laughs> you right now. Okay, I should let you finish your point, but I'm going to say. But if, if, if nine plays for 27 yards and a punt is doing your job, they you're did. not going to win the game. They did. Well, you certainly could, Greg. No, I'm, you can't win I at 0-0. Zero, zero. You can't win at 27 yards and a punt every time. Uh, I'm saying that uh, that was... They're, okay, they're, you they're can t- play yes, a field position yes, right. game, and in playing that field position right. game... We're going to keep it close. But then as the game goes along, and you find yourself in these third and longs, and you're still deciding to run the fullback, you're, you're now not that's confident. a different argument. I get you. I get All you. Right. I feel you. I feel they you. They came with a 90-yard drive. 
Mississippi State takes that ball at the 10-yard line and drove it 90 yards right. for a touchdown. Now, that can't happen. Which you just showed can't you. It happen. Their yeah. next uh, long drive, 75 yards. Their next drive, 75 yards. Their next drive, 75 yards. 75 yards. 68 yards. 70. 70 yards. Yeah. So, so if that's the team you're playing, and you know that's the team you're playing. No, no. Okay. They, they have not done this in any of their games. Okay. I, I, did, I did make the point that 90, 89 yards was their longest drive of the season by yards. But they, they, and they'd also had... they've played, and I, I can accept your, your argument should be, yeah, they played Georgia and Auburn mm-hmm. the last two games. And so I can understand that. I, I accept that. But in this day, in this game, that was too much for them to, be, to overcome. Right. First of all, now the fact that BYU didn't get points on the board, I agree. You've got to have those points. But there were many times, look at those drives, 75, 75, 75, 70. That's putting them in bad field position. The offense was getting them to a point where they were putting them in a tough spot to start their drives, and yet they still put on 35 points. That's too much. Uh, The second thing is uh, I... I, uh, well, shoot. See, I should have no, you, I should have interrupted you, made, you earlier. You made, you made a lot of good points. Because I had another thing I wanted to well say done. that you were. <laughs> so here's the deal. After that nine-play, 27-yard drive resulting in a punt, and by the way, that opening drive, which just got to midfield, was the longest in terms of time and plays the whole game for BYU and went 27 yards. In the ensuing 11 drives, two lasted longer than four plays. And these are not quick-strike touchdowns we're talking about, except for the one play on the 42-yarder to uh, Aleva Hifo that was a score from the 42 that, uh, that followed uh, the turnover, the interception that BYU got. So it just was not, there was, there was no sustained presence from the offense. BYU has one drive of nine plays. Mississippi State had five drives of ten plays or more. So in there, and Mississippi State's last two games in playing Georgia and Auburn, who are hard-nosed, hard-running guys. They're, you know, they're team, and excellent football teams overall. They are excellent football teams. Georgia had a really hard time at the start of the game running the football. And I was very impressed that they continued to pound and pound and run and run. Georgia had a lot of struggles at the start of the game. But then all of a sudden, uh, they popped that little number seven through there for 10 yards, and he would make a big play, and he would get another play. And so as they continued in that run attack, and they have better skills, of course, than BYU does, but uh, they continued to stay with that run game until finally they popped free. And that's why uh, Mississippi State is like 68th in the nation in stopping the run. So it makes it look like you should be able to run the football against them. Well, they were playing Auburn and Georgia and LSU as teams that are really good at running the football. Uh, tweet coming in at hashtag BYUCNN. Why is Mangum the starter if Detmer doesn't trust him to throw on third and long? Wouldn't that be a benchmark for quarterback evaluation? And, and I have to say, I will go back to the opening drive, and it, it concerned me that in a drive in which Tanner was 4 for 4 throwing it, you get to a passing situation, and the, again, the counter to it is they're expecting pass on third and nine. We thought, we thought draw might work, and they drew a back re and were four yards short. One time, that's good. But it happened again and again yeah. when to stay in the game, you need to do what teams do, which yeah. is if you have six yards to go or seven yards to go or nine yards to go or 11 yards to go, you don't run the guy who to this point in the season had two rushes for minus one yard total. That's generally not going to be the call. So in a football situation, so a, 
uh, when teams are in third and 17, third and 15, third and 12. You can sometimes see concession draws to say yeah, we're just going to set up it. a punt. We're going to, yeah, we're going to run the draw, and there's a chance. But and, these, uh, are, but these know, are integral these plays. These are plays that yeah. you should be able to make those yards. So I agree. On the very first drive when that happened, I was concerned for what we might see, and then when we kept seeing it, and yet... Uh, whether it's um, you know the, the touchdown pass to Hefo or finding Hefo deep or the moments where you said, oh, yeah, that guy's a quarterback again, Tanner Mangum, uh, they weren't letting him do it at really important times of the game. I had a concern. Again, you can second-guess every play call if it doesn't work out the way you want. But at a third and one, knowing that you are five for five when rushing on third and down, in particular three for three with Ula Tolutau, and this is pre-fumble, by the way, they went wildcat, which has not worked this season to any level of effectiveness, and you're punting the ball away a second later. There were just certain moments in the game where I just wondered overall what the, the, the philosophical link was tying everything together, and it was an inconsistent day that way. But then again, in the big picture, inconsistency is kind of the order of the day for the season and why Kalani every week says a lot of the same things, and he acknowledges as much, saying we just haven't found a way to put it together and it has to get fixed. But... There are some overriding numbers that cause you concern, whether it's that the offense can't stay on the field, whether it's that the fact that the time of possession is, is minus 13 minutes today, whether it's the fact that when you get short fields and can't score points, or uh, just the fact that uh, at this point, BYU's gone 13 consecutive FBS games without throwing for a modest 200 yards there are long-term concerns that remain so until BYU can string some wins together. Hey, Nate Mickles joined us up here in the booth. And, Nate, you've had to listen hey. to Mark and me for a little bit. I hope that was enjoyable for you. Uh, what do you want to start off with? Yeah, I thought it was a nice little Judge Judy reference that uh, Mark made. And uh, so here's one for you. Eight first downs, and a quarter of those came on penalty. So you really only earned six or seven. Now, the one penalty, if I remember right, it was a pass interference. So you can say the offense earned that first down. It was two first downs on penalty. Two first so downs on two, penalty. Two rushing, four passing, two penalty. Either right. way, either way, the first down number is staggering, 35 to 8. At 35 to 8, you expect to lose at least 35 to 10, which is yeah. very much what would happen today. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the first downs on penalty was just a late hit on Tanner. So that one's just you kind of lucked into. So, I mean, really you're looking at like six and a half, seven first downs that you earned. Not enough. You're not going to win. So to Greg's point, Greg, uh, Mark, uh, of course it's the offense's fault. Now, Mark's point is, of course, the defense is also not holding up their end because if the defense never gives up a point, you're going to win. You're, you're not going to go to overtime. You're not going to lose. Yeah, you're not going to lose. But no, you're going to win because in college football, oh, they'll just right. keep going. Go overtime. So you will win if the defense never no. gives up a point. And then today was the day when the defense got gashed. This was the one when, in the heat and humidity, a team that defended 84 plays looked like it had defended 84 plays by the end of the day. And, and again, you've got to go back seven years to find this kind of ground game against BYU. Back in that 2010 season when a lot of weird things happened, including a 1-4 and four start and the firing of a coach, at 1-4. and four. Air Force ran for 400-plus against BYU. That's the last time a team has run for 300 or more against BYU till today. That's a span of 96 games. Almost 100 games yeah. between games like we saw today where MSU just ground it up against BYU. And, and it's one thing if you are countering in your own way, but BYU was countering with nothing offensively, relatively speaking, and that's why you yeah. get 35-10. Let's make the excuses, though. So uh, you didn't have Matt Hadley. Okay. You didn't have Francis Bernard. Here we go. But then, just you know for what? a moment. Like, sure. Let's just do it for a moment. Sure. So let's, you know, you can go back. You can say uh, no 
of all the you know, of the important players you've missed for games this year, whether it's Ula not being ready coming out of camp, whether it's Tanner and Bo both getting hurt, it's Moroni not playing this season, it's Shumway, the second target guy on the team, being out, um, it's no Bernard, no Hadley, no, no Pau for a couple of games, uh, no Hanneman for a game and a half, on and on and on. Injuries and absences of not just guys, but starters have plagued BYU. And then you go to the two deep guys, and now you bring even more guys into the mix, whether it's just uh, Trey Dye uh, today or Johnny Tapusoa today or any number of players who have a little bit further down the depth chart that haven't played games for one reason or another. You're looking at just far too many important players with what BYU's been dealing with to say we can handle it. Uh, the depth has not been there to the extent they need it to be to compete and win the games they've been losing. And that's not the only reason. It is a reason things feel the way they do for BYU right now. It was just for a moment. Just for a moment we examined that. We'll go back to... You can't just, yeah, you, you, you can't the, just say it doesn't matter. So it does matter. Right. Let's just take, uh, well, yeah, well, I wanted to make one other point, though, on all of those third down passes that uh, MSU was able to complete to wide open receivers. <laughs> Because the zone, you know, they, they, have a, they have a good offense, first of all. I, I, they run a lot of formations. They run a lot of different plays. And they do run different looks. And so they, you have a ton of stuff to absorb. But there were just so many times today in third and sixth, there was a guy standing on the sideline that, with no one around him. And so uh, those kinds of things in the secondary uh, are, are kind of a problem. All right, uh, Chris Butters. We got a new guy? Chris Butters sends in an email to Cougar Nation now at BYU at EDU. We'll take a look before the break. With so many injuries hitting the team on such a consistent basis, are we just seeing incredibly bad luck or other indications of them being the result of poor execution or something missing from the strength program? I cannot to speak to that. I just don't know enough about the inner workings of the program to say, but it feels like an unlucky year. It doesn't feel like you're getting a lot of guys just pulling hamstrings on Yeah, if on they were runs. all the similar injury, then yeah. I think you have some. A lot of, a lot of these are collision injuries and, mm. and fractures, and, and I, I just... I, I don't know, or nor could I even be educated enough to say it's, it's a result of any kind of shortcoming. But we can say, and Nate will give us his contribution, Mark, if you do too, but it, it, it has been an incredibly unfortunate and unlucky season that way. Right. And it's not, in some ways you could say it's not too surprising when you have, uh, you played LSU, Wisconsin, Utah, Mississippi State, Boise State, Right? I mean, you're going to get injured more against the bigger, stronger, more physical teams. So uh, if BYU were playing the WAC schedule right now and, and played maybe two of those tough, two or three of those tough teams up front and then entered the WAC schedule, maybe you don't have so many injuries. Maybe. Grant Robinson asks on the hashtag BYUCNN, can you run down which RBs and QBs are actually healthy and could play? Well, quarterbacks, I think you only have to worry about two right now, technically three. Uh, Mangum is your starter. Chris Lowe is your backup, as you saw. Bo Hodge is not available to play. And Coy Detmer and Cody Wilstead are both available. Coy is probably in the same boat uh, Cody is right now. It's going to be either or or next man up. And it, they hope it doesn't get to that point, I think, at this point. And whether Bo Hodge comes back next week or weeks in addition remains to be seen. But clearly, if uh, Tanner were to go down, it's going to be Joe Critchlow's game. And uh, if anything were to happen to him, heaven forbid, I don't even know how to address it at this point. Yeah, so the that's quarterbacks, right. that's who you've got. At running backs... So we don't know how long Bo Hodge. No, we, we don't. have no we're idea. Gonna say, we're going to say week to week with him. Uh, Ula was healthy and played. Squally was healthy and well, played. Well, Squally didn't practice Wednesday. 
didn't practice Wednesday. Did he get in the game was, at all today? We don't think game. he did. He was dressed. So he was dressed, did yeah, not he play. Was dressed. So we presume he was healthy and available and did not play? Coach's decision? Uh, hard to say. You know, okay. I think He's, that's probably it, but okay. it's hard to say why he wasn't Then again, there are Wednesday. so many guys banged up that don't practice one day or another, and Squally was one of those you say Wednesday? Maybe. Uh, Riley was available and yeah. played a few snaps. Uh, Braden L. Bakri was healthy and played. Kavensis healthy and played. Tradeye was healthy and played until he got hurt. Became unhealthy and didn't play. So that's yeah. your run down there. We'll take a break. So, and K.J. Hall is a little bit closer. And but he's still out and Fanua's still out. Fanua is so, pretty yes, close. You should yeah. add those. So Fanua's K.J. Hall and Kavika Fanua are the other guys, and they're not out, not available right now. We'll take a break. That was a long segment. We'll shorten the next ones up, I promise. It is hashtag BYUCNN. It is also Cougar Nation now at BYU.edu. That's how to reach us on the program. And uh, we'll take a break. Take more of your comments after BYU falls today to MSU 35-10 here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. MSU 35 and BYU 10. 35 also the number of first downs MSU gained in the the Kalani Satake era. That is an opponent high. So today's highs allowed were rushing yards and first downs by MSU. At the Dean Meister on Twitter with a couple of tweets at hashtag BYUCNN. We're going to give them both to you and get your guys' response. The offense can't work if the QB is always running for his life. The O-line and wide receivers coaches he blames for that. Now, I'm going to disagree to an extent. I don't think the problem is BYU's quarterback running for his life all the time. I just haven't seen it to that extent. Um, there have been breakdowns, but I don't think the problem is the quarterback is always running for his life. So I'm going to disagree with that assertion, with that uh, characterization of the BYU offense. Mark, would you care to respond? Yeah. I think the offensive line, their their best skill is pass protection. And uh, so I think that the, they probably have an opportunity. There was a time that uh, somebody came through untouched uh, today, and Tanner uh, avoided the sack and uh, was able to get out. But uh, um, he's good on the move. You know, we know that. Uh, he likes to shuffle out to the right side of the pocket and look downfield, but... Uh, uh, I th- I don't think that uh, he's running for his life as often as uh, Burmeister. The Dean Meister says. Dean Meister. Uh, Nate. One sack today. So uh, with just one sack, you don't, I wouldn't think that you say for Tanner's running for his life. And, and he's uh, little... To me, it seemed like, yeah, Tanner had time. It wasn't uh, – I didn't feel that no. way. No, so, so I, I don't think the characterization is, is, is accurate. His second comment said he didn't think that he, – he, he said BYU didn't seem like they were enthusiastic yeah. about playing the game today. And it's hard when you don't have good plays. So I think, you know, when you saw BYU make good plays, when they got the interceptions, when they threw the touchdown to Hifo, I felt like they were excited in those moments. But in the other moments when they're not making good plays, it's hard to be excited. And what I didn't like, and, and you know, again, you're reading a lot into it, but it was it was on those third and six or third and nine draws that don't work, and they're just they're immediately off the field before the play's even over. It's almost like, well, that probably wasn't going to work, and it didn't. Let's punt. And um, again, you can read a lot from a press box or from a TV screen. That <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're you're kind of uh, you're, you're projecting onto what you think people are doing or thinking. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, okay. it, it's tough to imagine um, the 
enthusiasm level or excitement level any one guy has at any one time when you're watching helmeted players play hundreds of yards, uh, you know, dozens yeah. of yards away. Yeah, exactly. And, and not just that. It's in all sports and in all games. And uh, you can we just can't identify the enthusiasm or the hard work effort that's going into every play. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you just don't see a lot of or Patriots. Uh, Brady. Those guys don't jump around and hoot and holler and uh, show. What? What? Come on now. Have you ever seen the NFL Films video of Tom Brady on a sideline when his guys aren't playing well, or even when they are oh, playing he well? he gets after him. He's he's I'm, he's incredibly intense. Well, I'm intense. and Aaron Rodgers I'm is enthusiasm. Yeah. Well, Tom's got it, and Aaron's got it. Carl uh, Malone played his heart out every time he stepped on the floor, and. He just worked and worked and worked as hard as he could, but you didn't see, you couldn't tell whether the enthusiasm part, it was just his hard work ethic. Well, okay, I guess. So we'll, I'm saying uh, it's very difficult for us to evaluate enthusiasm, yeah, no, I will effort. Give you, I will give you that. Uh, uh, what the right. person's thinking you, yeah, you, you, while you, he's you, going through that kind of. Now, we've already talked about Joe Critchlow is kind of an easy, low, no. he's a keel, I mean, even keel guy and. Uh, so he would be a guy who would be hard to tell. Tanner Mangum is an even-keeled kind of guy that uh, wants to do his job, but you don't see... Well, even-keel is one thing, but I think would, I think most teams would say they want their quarterback to be a fiery leader. I, I would argue that most teams want their guy to be, and if not screaming, yelling, but to be a fiery leader. And um, And I'm not saying Tanner's not. I'm saying most teams would want their captain quarterback to be that kind of guy. And... That's just a generality I'm putting out there. Yeah, that's a generality. You yeah. hate the guys that are too passive, but you also hate the guys that are too emotional who aren't any good. Those guys. Well, that's one thing. You, again, and then there's, there's that kind of player too that can't back it up. So right. you're wanting the guy that's good and a captain and a leader and all those things and right. enthusiastic. But again, to judge 22 or 44 or 85 guys' enthusiasm is almost impossible to yeah. do. I will say so you that wouldn't... when Braden Elbakri says at the end of the game, "I can't lose another game." You want every guy on the flight, on the bus, in the practice, in the locker room to all have that same unifying attitude of I can't lose another game. To say it four games ago. That's the he thing. Wasn't, you get, he wasn't you had at the podium four games ago. I'm sure he was <laughs> yeah. saying it. Yeah. Or maybe it's a good thing that he wasn't saying it four games ago because then he doesn't, he doesn't uh, keep his word. But oh. now maybe he can keep his word. Yeah, no, now no. he can. All right, I see. Yeah, because now you have the opportunity. John Beck. You wouldn't be able to tell John Beck. What, what he was thinking as he methodically went out and played the football game? Just carved you up. Yeah, just carved you up, and he did it methodically, and he, you wouldn't know for sure whether he was. You could tell yeah. post-game, post-game he would be emotional. I'm going to disagree again. Oh. John's emotions were evident. John's emotions were evident. He was I good, and he was clinical. So here's my contrary opinion to use that the quarterback has to be that mental leader. He has to be thinking right. all the time of all the things that are going on. He kind of knows every blocking assignment of control. every player out he's there. He's in control. He knows what every guy's going to run on every route. He's pretty familiar with uh, all the things that the defense is doing. So in his mind, he doesn't have a lot of time to be enthusiastic well, okay, if that's if you're trying to if you're trying to put it on a to-do list, I have to be enthusiastic today, maybe not. But one of Taysom Hill's greatest assets. Oh, 
Hard runner. It wasn't like, oh, he's enthusiastic. No, no, no. He no, is intense. A, he's he a is competitor. intense. Competitor. He's a winner. I and want it, every it, one of those guys to be a competitor with that same kind of attitude. And if there's a yard line to gain, I'm going to gain it. And you didn't need to manufacture or wonder if he's into it or not. He showed you with every play he was into it. Yeah. And you want to see that from enough guys that make a difference. And did you hear what Coach said about uh, Diane Gowalaku? He's a competitor. Mm-hmm. Coach Sataki said that today in the postgame. Diane is a competitor. And you can tell. Diane is a competitor. He fights. He makes plays. He hits hard. He's a fighter. And you, you do want to see that from every guy. Every guy. And there are certain positions on the field in which you want the guy to be, yes, good, and yes, mentally strong, and yes, uh, even keeled and all those things. But uh, I, I, I think you expect... I want to see him Brian keeled. <laughs> you expect certain standards of intensity, effort, and enthusiasm Leading from your most important synergy. players. <laughs> Synergistic is important. All right, before the break, Richard and Joyce McCune emailing us in <laughs> saying they're listening in London. London, England, not London, Ontario, oh. <laughs> where they're serving a mission at the London Temple. And he writes, with a seven-hour time difference, it was nice to have an early evening game instead of middle of the night. True enough. And he says, choice of words here, we are not flipping our commitment to the Cougars. <laughs> so, Richard and Joyce, thanks for tuning in over there in the United Kingdom. We'll take a break. We'll continue. It is BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now. And you can reach us with the hashtag BYUCNN or with the email CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. If nothing else, the objectives are now crystal clear. Win out. Question becomes, if you are a 1-6 football team, can you be a 6-0 and football team? We will soon find out. That is the objective for BYU as the schedule softens. And it softens at a time when BYU needs a lot of wins. Six, to be precise, in six games to be bowl eligible. Just for the record, if you play 13 regular season games, winning six doesn't make you bowl eligible. Winning seven makes you bowl eligible. Being six and seven puts you in the mix of five and seven and six and seven teams that there, that, that there would be who would then be competing with each other's APR scores to become bowl eligible should there not be enough teams at six wins or more at 500 or better to then fill all the remaining bowl spots. So that's what BYU's got in front of it. We'll take a break here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, so welcome back to uh, Davis Wade Stadium at Scott Field, second oldest football stadium in the FBS. Wow. Making Mark and me able to say that we've uh, broadcast, and Nate too, I think, from the two oldest stadiums in the football bowl subdivision, Bobby Dodd Stadium at Georgia Tech, and now uh, Davis Wade Stadium at uh, Mississippi State. Can I throw in one more? Cincinnati, if I remember right, Cincinnati is built on, like, the spot. It's like the oldest stadium, or one of the oldest but it's on the spot. It's not the actual stadium. Because it's, a, cause it's quite a nifty new-looking yeah, exactly. stadium. If I remember yeah. right. I, I think, think so. Built on an old burial ground, I think, is what you're getting yeah. at. No. Uh, Mark, you had a point you want to make or no? I don't think so. You don't think so. Um, Nick Newman on the uh, Twitter, hashtag BYUCNN. How much of the offense's problem is Tanner, and how much is the scheme? Well, there's, a again, not an easy we answer have a hard that. time evaluating enthusiasm we also would have a hard time evaluating uh, the limitations of the offense. Uh, what is their, what is their potential? Is this their potential? Is are they doing the best that they can do? Is this it, or it. is there something that we're missing that uh, hasn't been covered yet? And we talk about communication and 
uh, Kalani talked about it. We're just not, you know, we tell them the stuff and they don't get it. One way to look at it is as a freshman, Tanner threw for 3,300 yards. If you throw for 3,300 yards, you're a pretty good quarterback, presumably. Now, yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, you know, you say, well, yeah, but it was thrown to better receivers yeah, and yeah. better running backs, and he's throwing more jump balls, mm-hmm. whatever. To me, you're probably, as a quarterback, not going to get worse after practicing for two years. So to me, it's like, yeah, there, some of this is scheme-related. Tanner has proven he's a good quarterback. The scheme right now is not matching to Tanner's ability clearly because he's not throwing for even 200 yards anymore when he used yeah. to throw for 300 yards. Uh, so there is some scheme. There's some receivers. The receivers probably aren't quite as good as they were in the past. Uh, and then maybe Tanner is struggling with some as I well. I know Greg's going to jump in first. I'm not. I, I, oh, okay. Um, so I found it interesting that there are quite a few returning quarterbacks this season that are struggling. And so one of those is Sam Darnold at USC, who had, uh, oh, he's going to be the number one pick. And uh, right now he's just uh, really struggling to get things done at SC. Uh, The kid at Wyoming, tell me his name. You know his name. Josh Allen. Josh Allen last year had an outstanding season, and this season he's really struggling. And so uh, I I find it uh, unique, interesting, that the dynamics of going from one year to the next does not automatically mean uh, everything's going to be the same. There are too many variables that change. And uh, how well you run the ball, how well you run play action, uh, who your receivers are and who they who comes and who goes, all of those things play into the success. I was the very best quarterback I ever was when Phil Odell was my uh, primary receiver. Phil Odell graduated, and I got really average. And so... <laughs> The receiver helps to make you the player that you become. The part that is really a challenge, though, is that BYU has so much struggle against man-to-man coverage. Yeah, that's. The, I think that's the key that uh, still has not yet been solved. That's the challenge that BYU has is they have so much trouble against man-to-man. On the fourth down play that uh, Tanner threw the interception, man, just everybody was just was blanketed. They yeah. were just right on top of him and uh, he had there's just no solution i've had a couple of tweets come in from different people asking about uh, pace of play and uh the fact that byu is still huddling a lot mm-hmm. and that tanner has had effective moments when they do tempo a little bit mm-hmm. one of the reasons they snap only 46 plays is because their pace between plays is uh is a little bit uh is a little bit delayed um, any thoughts about tempo and how that's playing in or not playing into what BYU is able to do right now? So offensively, they do a better job when they go up tempo, no huddle. But uh, they want to run the clock. They they are trying to take it. They want to run long drives. They want to take the time that they've got. They want to build in this uh, the pro set form uh, uh, pro set offense that uh, BYU wants to run. And in that offense, you take the time. You take the time. You take the time. You put the long drives together. You take time away from your opponent. And uh, obviously that's uh, not working right now, but that's the objective of that particular offensive concept. So a couple things. You could go hurry up, go with play with tempo, and playing with tempo just makes it harder on defenses because they yeah. get tired. They can't substitute. They can't plan. Uh, they, they can't scheme as much. On the other hand, if you go tempo and your offense is bad, 
three and out. <laughs> then you're their really out well, there. put your defense in a bind. And, and and there were times under go fast, go hard would be all you would run three plays right. in 18 seconds and be yeah. done. <laughs> and that happened. It right. happened. But but that was, of course, we all know that the reason they did it was to act as a as a mitigating factor, as a differentiator, as a way to make us tough to defend over the course of a game. There was a, there was a method to the madness. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it worked, and when it struggled, the struggles looked more pronounced because you're going three and out in 20 seconds. But that said, it was scheme based and had an objective for which the most point, uh, to, you know, for the most part, it met its desired objective. Mm-hmm. They won X number of games. They played X number of bowl games. When Robert and I was the OC at BYU, generally speaking. His objectives were met, that there was a method to the madness. They didn't win every, every game by 30 and go 13-0, but for the most part, the plan had a desired result that most times was met. Right. And right now, it's tough to see what BYU's mitigating circumstance or differentiating advantage might be offensively. You just look at the rankings and everything is just in the 120s. There's nothing to which yeah. you can point offensively and say, BYU should do more of this or stay with this guy. Uh, everything's too nascent right now. Everything's just spinning wheels right now. There's nothing really, really to depend on. It's a puzzle. It really is. It's it's hard to understand that you have so many people that are back and playing, you know, respe- respectably well, and yet uh, and you're you just they've fallen too far. That's the thing. I can see them be competitive and lose. They're just, you know, it's just not competitive. So BYU's top two targets, uh, target guys on the year were Bushman and Shumway, Talon Shumway. Now, because of injury, Talon's not here. Bushman was here and had one catch for six yards. So the two guys that have been the centerpiece of your pass attack weren't today, so who else is available? Well, after talking about how Aleva Hifo uh, had basically been averaging five yards per catch for his entire career, he goes five for 77 today with a 43-yard uh, touchdown. And, uh, and, and... Aleva Hifo was, and I use the word uh, breakout, kind of broke out today. But where has that been, or where has anything else been for BYU? And he has 77 yards today on receptions. Well, and, and by the way, the, uh, the, t- the touchdown pass that BYU threw was a 27-yarder. He, the 43-yarder came on an earlier play. So it was a 43-yard grab, then a 27-yard TD. Point being, he has five catches, 77 yards. 77 yards is closer to 100. Okay, but 100 is not a crazy number. Okay, you can you, you have receivers catching for 100 yards. 12 all, games, 12 all, games all in a row. Austin Collie. Okay, <laughs> or however 12, many it was. Okay. So who was the? When was the last time BYU had a 100-yard receiver in a game? And the answer is November of 2015 at Utah State, Mitch Matthews. So BYU played the next game and the next 13 games, and now the first seven games of this year without one. So 21 games without a 100-yard receiver. 13 consecutive FBS games without a 200-yard passing game. These are long-term difficulties, and you expect somebody to have one of those days where you simply hit it. You're hitting it. And you've had some opponents in which you could expect to hit it, and they haven't hit it on a receiving standpoint for almost two years. And they haven't hit it from, just to, just to moderate passing success so, in, in well over a year. Let me ask a question then that somewhat supports what uh, some people are asking. Um, does that mean the receiver skills are limit, are less than they were when you had a hundred yard receiver? 
Was Austin Collie just so awesome in his skills that he was able to get those? Awesome. Austin was awesome in his skills. Awesome Austin. You watch, you watch what he did in college, NFL, and high school, and that is an elite player. So that's the answer to your first question. So, well, no, I'm asking now, why is it that we don't have 100-yard receivers? Okay, which, are, which of these guys? Talented? Which are they of these, less yeah. talented than the, okay. those guys that did get 100-yard So we just, talked about, we just talked about two guys, Austin Collie and Mitch Matthews. Both were our NFL guys. Okay, who on this roster of the players we see are playing in the NFL next year, two years, three years from now? Do you see NFL people at receiver on this roster? That's a question you can answer for yourself. It's going to take better talent overall. Now, BYU's not always gotten every blue chipper. We know that. BYU succeeded for years with talent that, generally speaking, uh, doesn't match the, uh, the, 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 the criteria, if you will, of upper-level FBS. Yet they win and get great performances from most of the guys they bring in. They're going to need a little more depth of talent at the skill positions to be the team uh, they want to be. And we just brought up two guys. Just Here's Joe. I and, think... and both of these guys were special, special talents at a pro level. But I think a guy like Jonah, is a, he's a guy that should have 100 yards in a game. I Given his, I mean, his incredible speed to just throw one or two bombs a game, and that's 100 yards. I mean, he gets behind the defense, and I think Matt Bushman is a guy. It's harder for a tight end, of course, but Matt Bushman is a guy that could as well. He's right. going to have that chance, and again, they've gone away from that bootleg pass that I thought was their, their should have been their bread and butter. But of the two leading target guys, one didn't play, one did play and got one look. And so who else will do it? And that's the question. You have to find other guys, and they may or may not be you know, there in the depth they need right now. Uh, for some reason, Bushman was not in the game a lot of the game today. And to be fair, Bushman's been not full speed health-wise for a month. Um, there was a game he played, and, I, and I, I could identify it, but I don't think I want to, in which he didn't practice all week and then played adequately in the game, but not great. And he's just been... I think going week to week. And I think BYU and Kalani would probably say by the end of this year, there will have been a lot of guys who were kind of week to week and never really were at a health level where they could be the guy BYU needed them to be this year. I got something from our spotter before you do the uh, trivia question. It's coming up, I know. (laughs) Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati began in 1901 in its rudimentary form and with concrete stands being added in 1915, Horseshoe in 1924, making it the fourth oldest playing site and fifth oldest stadium in college football. So I was, I was wrong, but close. Yeah, close. Very good. Thank you, Doug and Nate. Uh, Norm in Mesa says, in, all, uh, in the last three games, we've let the team score right before the half, and that is a backbreaker. Uh, and Mark brought that very same point up today was, guys, no matter what's gone wrong in this first half, just don't let this last drive be the one that, you, that, that, that they score on. Three-minute touchdown drive, big deficit at the break, and it happened again. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a backbreaker. and. And then we talk about it all often so much when you're the last guy making the score in the half and you get the ball to start the next half and score again. Oh, it's a double whammy. Mississippi State scored in all four quarters today. BYU's now played 28 quarters on the year, and they've scored in fewer than half of them. 12 quarters in which BYU has scored points of the 28 quarters played. And in the quarters they're playing, they're usually not scoring uh, you know, more than, 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 than one or two scores at a time. A touchdown, a field goal, a touchdown, and a field goal. Those 14, 21-point quarters that uh, you, you, know, you have on occasion don't, don't happen for BYU uh, this year. It's been one of those kinds of years. All right, well, we've talked a lot. And we should take a break and make it our final break and give people a chance to win two half gallons of famous Creamery ice cream. 
Let's do so. You can give us a shout at hashtag BYUCNN, hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. As Nick asks us, what's the post-show meal tradition for you? <laughs> um, and, and really, there are certain traditions we have that are because of the hour of the day. We'll say head to an IHOP at 3 in the morning. But when, when it's light out and, and there's actual options, we're going to explore our options. Yeah. We won't just settle at, uh, at, at 5 in the afternoon. So we're, well, we're, we're going to find was, a good place. Outback has been a, you know, if we were to well, go the second most attended restaurant well, after IHOP. Of, of the chain restaurants, probably Outback. But then, yeah. you, but again, when we're, in, when we're in, you know, places with some local flavor, like we did last night, we explored some local flavor. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do our best there, Nick, for you. And really, I haven't eaten a thing all day. And with, with, with what's transpired today, my negative energies have transformed themselves into uh, appetite energy, and I am ready to chow down. <laughs> Speaking of which, how about you like two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream? All you have to do is answer this skill testing trivia question and email your answer. Be the first one in at either Cougar Nation and now at BYU.edu or hashtag BYUCNN. We're working it out together here, folks. We're just talking. We're, we're talking it out together. We're, hey, we're, we're, we've got some tweets coming in that said, but we were really fighting with each other. On the oh, you, no, we no, we don't have those tweets. No one thinks no, we're fighting. That's what Duff said. He said, I, "What's going on with you and Greg? You guys are fighting in there." I heard. No, everyone <laughs> knows that what we do yeah. is is just uh, we're 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 buddies. We're just we're just kicking it back and forth. We all know that. I'm always right. We all know that I'm the guy that's trying to make a point that's never quite as strong as Mark's. No. We we never no. ever have really, really ever fought. It's okay well, to it's okay to, years, it's okay to discuss. In the early years people thought, Do you like each other? you know. But now they know we love each other. Yeah. So, so. I that's why I was surprised that uh, we're free. We have this relationship that we're free to say whatever. Absolutely. We want and Mark says, you know, it's a judge duty moment. We're just trying to make points, and we're we're going to give each other the time of day. And uh, no one's ever going to think the other guy's a hundred percent right. And so uh, we have those moments, but never has there ever been a moment of acrimony, anger, rancor, or uh, or anything other than just love. Except for Mark that one time. There was that one time. Was that one? <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, nobody thinks we hate each other. Good heavens. Nobody thinks we really fight. People, know, The people who are with us, we've been together for how long? More than a quarter century. No way. Yes. I joined the broadcast crew in 1992 with you. I was only the sideline guy for nine years, okay? but 25 but years? This is our 26th season together. Over 26 years between us and the listeners, they all know how we feel about each other. Yeah. And there's no doubt about that. Or as they say in Canada, no doubt about that. <laughs> There's a lot of love in this That's booth, and there always say. has been. Now, seriously, if I had to, uh, if I had to be, um, if if uncles could adopt nephews, I'd want to be adopted by Uncle Mark. <laughs> Give him the ice cream, Greg. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to be his son. Okay. I, let's make, I don't want to be his son, but I would be his nephew. Yeah. That makes sure. sense. Yeah, I would be. I would be his nephew. Well, thank you. In a heartbeat. I would have you as my nephew. And and we're too far apart to be brothers, but yeah, oh, nephew yeah. works just nicely. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be my dad. But you can be my uncle. I understand. All right. I completely understand. I guess I should give the trivia question I teased about five minutes ago. So to win two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream, if you're still with us, are you out there? Echo, echo. Here's the question. Uh, so BYU is one and six. We hate to say it, but it's true. Right? It happened. It's one and six, yeah. Okay. So the last time BYU was one and six, who was the starting quarterback to begin that season? The last mm. time BYU opened the season one and six, who was the starting quarterback to begin that season? That's our question. The answer wins you ice cream after this on the new skin BYU Sports Network. (laughs) 
for two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream on BYU Creamery's Cougar Nation. Now, the question was, the last time BYU opened the season one and six, which is where we are now, who was the starting quarterback that season? And we've had, we've had many guesses, some incorrect and a few correct. Wow. And the first correct response, after some incorrect guesses, comes from Brent Fredrickson. And Brent Fredrickson said, Nate, that who was the starting quarterback? Well, the Arvada Flash himself. The Arvada Flash! Mark Lyons was the starting quarterback the last time BYU opened the season one and six, but it wasn't Mark's fault because they yanked him and didn't put him back in when they really needed to. So in 1968, y'all, you guys open up at Western Michigan. Yeah. Where's that? Where's that? Kalamazoo. It's in Kalamazoo. So you're in Kalamazoo. And you're opening the season against Western Michigan, and you win the game. We did. You start at quarterback, and you win 17-7. to It was nice. Was Iowa State next? Uh, Iowa State was next in Pro Bowl. Oh, man. Oh, we had a two-point conversion special set up for that day. We scored a touchdown, and we're one point behind in the fourth quarter. You went for two? We went for two to take the lead in the game. Yeah. And uh, I'm supposed to hammer like I'm going to throw to the slant man, and the fullback slips out in the right flat. I like it. And I look up, and the slant man, he's open. So I throw it to the slant man, and the cornerback reaches around and easily bets it down. Uh, <laughs> I look out at the fullback right by he's it. wide, wide open. Oh, no. Wide so that came open. at 21-20. to then, yeah. they, then they scored a touchdown to make the final score 28-20. to 20. See, so tight game. Yeah, so you lose to Iowa State. Wyoming. Then you have Wyoming at home, another close loss, 20-17. 20, 20, 20 the stinking DePoister kid kicks like an 80-yard field goal. <laughs> that's into still, the win. That's still With a record. Win that still, still a record. Uh, so now you're 1-2. and two. Then you go 2-2. Two, We're right Tucson. in the game. We're right in the game. Okay, then you go 2-2, two, Tucson, and you lose 19-3. to three. What happened there? Were you still the starter that day? I threw... Um, yeah. Were you still starting? I was, a couple tip yeah. balls. Okay. Tip so balls. Tip ball scrimmage. interception. There was yeah. a tip ball interception. But I, I prided myself in making the tackle whenever I threw an interception. <laughs> and this one was to a defensive end. See, people could judge your intensity by those kind of plays. Oh, I see. And so yeah. I went after that defensive end, and he went, oh, there's a fly on my arm. Flick. <laughs> and just flicked me off. No one flicks off the Arvada flash. And so you're 1-3 and three after losing in two. Now we're getting oh, okay. in trouble. Okay, hold on. So one and three, you're still the starter through four games? Yeah. Yes? Yes. Okay, then you're home to UTEP. No. No, I'm out. Yes, you are. I'm oh, out. No, 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 BYU is home to UTEP, and you're no longer the starting quarterback for I'm that out. game. Yeah. So four games as a starter, you're one and three, and they go, we've got to make a change. Yeah. So they put in a different guy, and you lose it home to UTEP 31-25. Now it's not your fault. And you felt pretty good about that loss. <laughs> I mean, there, you were, you were so feeling just relieved. To, I, how strange things go, and I wish that I wasn't telling all these stories, but unfortunately I remember them. So the coach told, tells me, we're going to start Rick Jones. We're going to take him out of his, oh, I mean, we're going to start another guy. Uh, we're going to take him out of his red shirt, and uh, he's going to go out, and he's going to throw a long pass on first down just to heave it downfield and see if we can get a touchdown. And then you're going in on the second play. Long ball, incomplete. I'm waiting for the next play to go in. <laughs> Step back, Mark. <laughs> I didn't play it down. <laughs> didn't play it didn't down. Didn't play it down after being told you'd miss one play. Yeah. So, so all now of a sudden I thought, hey. That was a good deep I, ball. I figured it? this out. I'm out of this thing for a while. But, okay. no, I play in the next. Okay. I don't so, play again until I hold don't. Hold on. All right. You're one and four. BYU is. Now you're at Utah, and you lose 31 to 20. Did you play then? I did. Did you start? I, did I, you start? I don't 
don't remember. remember. I, threw a, I threw a touchdown pass to Larry Heaps in that game. Okay, but you lost 31-20. to 20. Again, no fault of your own. And then you're home to Utah State. This makes you one in six. You lose 34-8, to eight, so you're finally getting worked. We're, we got pounded, yeah. And Did you play then? I didn't play. Didn't play in that game. Not Mark's fault. Of course. Then you lose to Arizona State to go to one and seven. Another one you get kind of thumped, forty-seven to twelve. Did you play that one? I did. I went for. We went for two again. Did you start? No. Okay. Did you hit the fullback? No. I, we ran the dive option, and I. It, it, nowadays, I would have been able to do this. I would have been able to reach it over the end zone. We didn't know about that in the old days. You always carried it right here in the cradle. You didn't stretch it. Yeah, and so I'm down, and as soon as I'm down, I'm seeing I'm just six inches away from the goal line, and I slide the ball over the end zone line, and the guy that tagged me says, you can't do that. <laughs> what did the ref say? You can't do that as well? He did. He yeah, said okay. you were down, yeah. So so then you won in seven, mm-hmm. uh, but then you won to go two and New seven. Mexico, yeah. New Mexico, at New Mexico. So in that game, I'm sorry I'm bringing these things up. So uh, I, I didn't start. But uh, I, we go down and score a touchdown. And I come out, and the coach says, Son, that's the best calling I've ever seen from a quarterback this year. Nice job. And so I go in the next drive, and we get down to the four-yard line, and I call an audible, and we jump off sides. And so then uh, I throw a ball into the end zone that should be a catch, and it wasn't a catch. And we didn't score. And I come out, and he says, Son, that was a bad <laughs> that was a bad job of calling plays in the goal line. <laughs> so I went from hey, you're really good to oh no that was bad. <laughs> but the result was good. Yeah, we won. You won 35 to 6, which ends the season at San Jose State. I didn't and, play. And did not play and did not win. And they BYU had, finished that year 2-8. and eight. There were more people with guns in the stadium yeah. that day than there, there were, were actual spectators. fans. That was one of, those, one of those days. We've talked about that before. We may talk about it again maybe when we play San Jose State this year. So 2-8, uh, and eight, you played 10 games that year and uh, went 2-8. Uh, went and eight. Yeah. And that was the last time BYU opened 1-6, and six, which is where we are now. That's why we just went game by game through the season. We had terrible and receivers that year. <laughs> How about this, though? How, how about many... the fact that Mark, 49 years later, yeah. remembers all those play calls? And how many people that are BYU fans can say, I, remember. I played in those games. Oh. I've been to all those games. So when he sees this today, he's one of the very few people that say, I've been there, done that. Yeah, I've It's been... all right. Yeah. He's seen more plays around. and called more plays than most. Final message, and by the way, oh, we should tell once again, folks, that uh, Brent Fredrickson was the winner there oh. on, the, on the ice cream. Brent Fredrickson guessed that you were the starting quarterback back in 1968, and had you stayed the starting quarterback all year, you wouldn't have gone 2-8. and eight. I believe that. No way. I believe that. All right, uh, Brent, another Brent, not Fredrickson, with our final comment tonight, says, uh, good morning from Tokyo. Well, arigato and konnichiwa, and uh, thanks for for checking in with us. He says, will you break down the remaining schedule and our chances of winning out? As for the chances of winning out, how can you properly assess the chances when you're you're already 1-6? Can you be 6-0? That's the question. Now, you're 0-6 versus FBS. You need to go 6-0 versus FBS to end the season and and, and get yourself bowl eligible. But they aren't anywhere near the quality of teams. No, so again, every team you look at on the schedule, you would say, at least you would have said, Two months ago, well, we're better than them, 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 mm-hmm. them, and them. Mm-hmm. But now that you are one and six, mm-hmm. how much better are you than so, those teams? Now, let's keep in mind, so at least at least four of them in the pure metrics rank lower than BYU. Yeah. Okay, they rank lower than BYU. But uh, you go to ECU next week. Your now, home, ECU, your, would you say ECU is better than or worse than Utah State? Um, 
Hard to tell, mm-hmm. huh? We just don't know all that much about them. They're one in six, right? Yeah, well, I, I, I guess I would want to uh, take a look at a lot more metrics than I've accessed at this point. Okay. Uh, yeah, all right. I take t- it To compare back. Utah. But I guess my, my, my gut would say Utah State is better than East Carolina. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's what I would tell you. Uh, East Carolina is one in five coming into the day. Okay, so they're one in five. Okay. But either way, I would say East Carolina worse than Utah State. Uh, at ECU, if you, if you win next week, it gives you the belief that you're better than, I think, a few more teams. If you okay. lose next week, all bets are off. Yeah, it's done. Uh, home to San Jose State, you need to win. Okay, yeah, They're struggling. Uh, at Fresno State, again, another one of those teams that you would have said uh, a few weeks ago, well, you, you simply win that game because you're better than that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're three and two and tied with San Diego State for their division lead. So Fresno State on the road becomes a game in which Fresno State's favored. I think we have to say that right now. Yeah. Uh, at UNLV, UNLV's 2-4. and four. BYU might, if it uh, wins the next couple of games, next three games, find itself favored at UNLV, but that's no given right 50-50 now. 50-50 game right there right now. Home to UMass, and that's a game you expect to win because it's at home, and UMass is 0-6 on the year. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Hawaii, and Hawaii hmm. has beaten good BYU teams in the past, let alone a BYU team that's struggling to the current extent. UH isn't great. They're 2-4. and four. They're 0-3 in league. But in the Islands, last game of the year, if they're not going bowling, that becomes their bowl game. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I would call that a toss-up today. 50-50. Yeah, there's two 50-50s and then probably good chances on the other three. So I, I would say I expect right now today to beat ECU, San Jose State, and, and, you know, this isn't like me. I don't like to prognosticate. You take them one at a time, But I would right? say at least three of the six you expect to win, and the other three are more in the toss-up category, and all three are road games. All three are away of those three. Nate. So, Ben, just uh, running some numbers real quick. The sad thing about the position right now is even if you're favored in all of them, the probability of winning all of them is still quite low. So just here's some numbers for you. Yeah. Mark, you'll like this as a math yeah, teacher. Yeah, I can so see if, it. So if you're a 90% favorite in six games the probability of winning all six is only 53 percent yeah so it, well, it gets worse i'm just these just numbers yeah here. i know, yeah, I know. i'm gonna come back with a rebuttal but that's good so say you're 75 percent chance you're gonna beat every one of these teams so in each individual game you have a 75 percent chance mm-hmm. of winning well what's the chance that you win all of them? probability that you win six 18 percent yeah well what if it's a toss-up if it's a toss-up then you're only at 1.5 percent that yeah. you actually win all six so uh, in in simpler terms if you are a team that is zero and six against fbs teams the chances of going six and zero against the next six fbs very teams slim. are very slow very okay slim. Very slim. but uh let me now that said not make... all fbs teams are made equal and BYU does get to the soft 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 part of the schedule here in the coming weeks and yeah so the the, the thing that's interesting about the statistics that nate just put out there is that it's for all six see it's for all six games if you go into each game right. individually you have a better than a 50 50 chance maybe of winning each one individually right. but when you put it down into all six of them which alabama is six and oh clemson was six and oh penn state six and oh georgia six and oh look at all those undefeated teams all of those undefeated teams were facing those same demographics. They were ta- looking at the same percentages for them to win their first six games of the season. And they did. So in that regard, you can see that it certainly is more of a possibility than 18%. And 120 other teams didn't. <laughs> yeah. Right. But the ultimate question becomes, if you are a team that is 0-6, can you become a team that goes 6-0? and 
And I tough. say 0 and 6, it's meaning hard. 0 and 6 against FBS, yeah, and that's where they are right now. It'd be hard, uh, but it, it, I don't think it's as hard as beating Mississippi State here today. That's correct. Uh, it's safe to say that BYU's played the toughest game left on its schedule. They're done with it. And Kill the bowl game. And they played a handful of and they played a handful of tough games in, in the first six weeks, seven weeks. Can I ask one more question before we go? I guess. Mark, how was your senior year? Oh yeah, I played the whole senior year. They put the red shirt back on that guy, and uh, we were six and four. Lost to Utah. There still is an interception that the Lions threw near. Why didn't I throw to Kip Jackson yeah, you got, on the you got throwback? Hit. You got hit. Was you were throwing? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, but. Uh, I hate to tell you out loud that I wanted to run the bootleg and I wanted to run it and get the glory for scoring the Uh go-ahead touchdown and the wide receiver. So I sent him on a post, and the end came across, no running. I sent him on a post, no chance. Tight end coming backside, no. So I throw to the tight end, safety comes up, picks it. Mark, there's there's no I in team. There's there's no I in Lions. It's a Y. If I throw it back to Kip Jackson... Who the, took the play fake? If I throw him to the flat, yeah, but you're not you're not thinking about the play fake. Crowd guy. goes I mean, wild. Yeah. You, plus, you were running that time. That D end was he was all in yeah, your face. Yeah, he was he was after me. Yeah, he was yeah. after me. He forced <laughs> me to throw early. Winning season though, you went out a winner. Six nice. and four. Yeah, uh, the loss to Utah hurts. Uh, last game of your college career. Yeah, but you went out a winner. You won six games, and if you were playing in in today's day, you would have gone to a bowl game. At six and four, yeah. At six and four, we would have. In fact, <laughs> no, that was my my sophomore year. So well, supposedly we got invited to something called the Little Raisin Bowl, the Raisin Bowl or something, and outside of Fresno, and uh, to play North Glen Teachers College or something like that. And supposedly we took a well, we took a vote to see if we should go, and the coaches <laughs> yeah. said. Uh, Everybody voted, voted yes. no. everybody voted yes. So we checked. Yeah, everybody. We asked who, who, who voted no. Then my buddy said, man, I wanted to watch. <laughs> and so, but he, uh, what the coach came out and said, no. Everybody voted yes, but all together added up to one big no because yeah, the coach said. Because so. the coach said, all right. I, I outweigh all of your votes. We're all <laughs> stepping out of the way back machine now and wrapping it up here. Uh, folks, thanks for being, I, I presume somebody stayed with us to the end. I mean, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. Yeah. But uh, we I know my somebody... wife tuned out a long time ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, say so long from Starkville, shall we? Uh, final score today is thirty-five to ten, Mississippi State over BYU. Next week, we're back in this neck of the woods and even farther east in Greenville, North Carolina, for BYU and East Carolina. It'll be a five o'clock. Eastern time pregame and a 7 o'clock Eastern time kick. So we'll be on the air at 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock with pregame and kickoff in the mountain time zone. I'm told that the broadcast booth there in Greenville is so small as to force us onto the roof if we want to have any space. So we're going to be roof bound and hope that it doesn't rain. It's not like on that roof, right? It's going to be on a roof, is what I'm told. And the however, roof, hi, however, top of the press box. However high we are, that's where we'll be next Saturday in Greenville. And we hope for good weather, because if it's not good, things could get, could get dicey in a hurry. <laughs> all right, let's thank all those who made the broadcast possible. We, uh, we, we, we start, uh, we, we rather we finish how we started by, again, 
Uh, wishing all the best to uh, Barry Squires, our football engineer, who's been with us every game for years. He is not with us today as he's tending the family matters back home. We wish him and his family all the best, and we missed uh, Barry's presence here today in Starkville. We are so blessed to have BYU broadcasting engineer Sean Fay, who was remarkable for his first game with yeah, the crew. Absolutely. I cannot tell you how hard it is to do what the engineers do for this broadcast, the number of moving parts that are involved, and for it to go off uh, without a hitch the way it did today. Um, listeners, you can't know how much work it takes uh, for what to do what Barry does and Sean did today, and masterful work uh, today, no this doubt. Is, this is the one, though, that Barry wanted you know, there's a part of Barry that wanted us to lose this one in terms of the, the – he wanted Sean to lose. <laughs> Just like Mark wanted the backup to lose. No, I do not yeah, <laughs> You said do. that. You said you that. Do. I did not. You, you oh, you there's do. no <laughs> way in the world that I would have ever – No, I know that Barry wanted Sean to do well and BYU to do well. And we also oh, thank man. our engineering assistant, uh, Tanner Wilkinson, intern Tanner, uh, also helped to make things uh, work as smoothly as they did today. So Sean and Tanner – uh, yeoman-like effort from both to uh, help us get on the air and stay on the air. Much, much appreciation. And, Barry, uh, all the best, and hopefully we'll see you back on the road uh, next week. Carter Malloy is our control board operator. Mike Tingle is our network manager, and Dave Shook is our coordinating producer. Our thanks to our uh, network affiliates and flagships. Our thanks to the sports information staffs of BYU and Mississippi State. To our spotter, Doug Martin, our stats man, Ralph Sokolowski, much appreciation. My name is Greg Rubel. I get to work with, uh, with my two good buddies. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're Greg Rubel, Mark Lyons, and Nate Mickle. Mark, well done, my good friend. Thank you, Greg. Good job yourself. And uh, Nate, way to, way to go out there in the heat and humidity. Yeah, we'll see so, you next week doing Do the I same get to thing. say one other thing? You do. I really thought with Cal beating Washington State, Syracuse beating Clemson, I thought the Today trend was, the was going to go our way today. I anticipated a win today. You thought it was the weekend of the heavy underdog. Yeah. And it was the weekend of the bulldog instead as MSU wins at 35-10. to 10. So for Mark and for Nate, I'm Greg thanking you for tuning in and saying once again, in the meantime and, and in, between. in between time, this has been BYU Football on the new skin. BYU Sports Network. Good day. So long from Starkville.